plots of land and the starry skies above. Don't fence me in. Let me ride through the wide open country that I love. Don't fence me in. Let me be by myself in the evening breeze. Listen to the murmur of the cottonwood trees. Send me off forever, but I ask you please. Don't fence me in. Then. Good morning. Happy Friday. Can't believe it's Friday already. Lord have mercy. Lord have mercy. Lord have mercy. Uh, you know, I'm curious about this whole thing. I got this towel because my computer is still wet. I didn't even notice that. I didn't touch it again once I... You know, sometimes my routine is I'll be uh, outside at night, and I will uh, go out near, next to, near the pool and just uh, prepare the show and get things together, look around, find stuff. Hold on a second here. St. Louis weather is really kind of crazy because uh, you know that's why it's been hard to have my Dave Sinclair awesome Jeep Rubicon because I take the you know the roof off you take the roof off they call it the freedom roof so it's like the first the first part of your the first part of your the roof. You take those two panels off. You take the whole damn thing off if you want to, eventually. But that's a lot of work. But anyway, I just take the first two things off. And I don't know how many times I've had to just scramble to get my roof back on because suddenly I'm looking up and there's a a big rain cloud. It's like we're living in Vietnam or something, the way the weather pops up in monsoons around here sometimes. So last night I'm down, hanging out at the pool, and got my computer out, and yeah, Father Father Tom says jeeps can handle rain. Yeah, I, it's true, but but if it rains hard enough and the seats are soaked, and you know, I mean, it just doesn't. I, I know it's supposed to be that way because it is a jeep, but I'd rather not have the seats wet and everything else. But anyway, they've got stuff in there, and you know how it is. And so I, I'm out next to the pool just doing stuff, and suddenly I'll be darned if it just doesn't start pouring. 
I'm like lounging out there with my computer and everything else, and everything gets wet. And then I, I opened it up this morning because I did uh, finish up by the time the it started raining. And I woke up. I'll be darned if my darn uh, computer isn't uh, didn't have raindrops all over it. Raindrops kept falling on my head, people. Well, good morning to everybody. And boy, we have a lot of stuff to talk about this morning. And we also have Gia Valenti, who is uh, popping in. And she's going to be with us in just a little bit. Jim Talent's going to be joining us at just about 7.30 or so. And yeah, and you know, I'm not going to bother you guys this morning too much with the Jim Acosta follow-up, but just to just to kind of go through the motions here regarding the latest from Jim Acosta, and that is that he decided that he wanted to, and I won't spend the next 40 minutes on this, I promise you, because we're kind of tired of this. This guy's such a needy little punk that every time you turn around, there he is. It's like, you know, he's he's like that quintessential movie characteristic of the girlfriend crying on somebody's lawn. It's just like, dude, go away. Nope. Nobody is. I mean, he's just become this. I mean, I have to tell you, most people in his sphere, I guarantee you, are so tired of this guy. The news media and beyond. I'm sure the people at CNN are just so sick of him. But his latest suggestion is uh, going to really be. Uh, Brooke, I, I think uh, what what you saw happen here at the end of that briefing was uh, the, the true feelings of the president, uh, the true feelings of many of the people who work in this administration laid bare. Uh, they believe, it, it appears in their heart of hearts, uh, that the journalists who cover this White House, the journalists who work in this city, uh, who were just trying a few moments ago to uh, hold some of these officials accountable, about attacks on our democracy uh, that the people here who work at this White House all the way up to the president evidently believe uh, that journalists are the enemy of the people, uh, literally the enemy of the people. And uh, I gave uh, Sarah, as you Trump. saw there, except for Ivanka Trump. And I, and I tried to pose that question to say, you know, listen, the, the president's daughter, his own daughter, uh, said no. She doesn't think that, uh, that uh, we're the enemy. And you saw it unfold there. I was given, uh, or I was giving Sarah several opportunities there to set the record straight. Uh, and she I believe of all the of all the things going on in the world and in this country, Jim Acosta is so self obsessed over this thing. This is his thing that he just won't go away with it. Uh, flat refused. And I think what you can obviously see is that she's taken a lot of uh, what she's experienced uh, very personally. I don't. I don't. Uh, I don't blame her for that. My goodness, uh, she has uh, taken on a lot. Uh, but at the it is not fair. It is not just. It is un-American to come out here and call the press the enemy of the people. And Ivanka Trump knows that. Mm-hmm. I don't know why her father doesn't, and I don't know why this press secretary doesn't. I mean, she got yelled at at a restaurant in Virginia. I'm sorry about that. I feel badly for her that that happened, uh, and that a comedian at Correspondence Center said some unpleasant things about her. I'm sorry about that. She ought to hear some of the things that were said to me the other night in Tampa. She ought to read some of the things that are said about my colleagues on CNN on a regular basis. Uh, It would be nice if we all lowered the temperature a little bit. But at the very least, I think we should all be able to agree on one thing, 
and that is the press is not the enemy of the people. Fellow yeah, Americans yeah. are not the enemy okay, Jim, of fellow Americans. Jim, we get and it. I, I, you know, forgive Shut me for going up. on a rant, but I think that yeah, they've lost sight we, of that. We, yeah, even Brooke Ball was like, okay, yeah, thank you, Jim. Thank you very much. Appreciate you very much. Go back to the dressing room for crying out loud, dude. And he believes that there ought to be some kind of maybe a march on Pennsylvania Avenue. Unbelievable. But, you know, that's about enough of Jim Acosta. I was just following up on yesterday's rant because the guy is just off the grid now and has now made this completely, completely about him. And, yeah, did Ivanka Trump say no? The news, fake news media is, we get it, we get it, we get it. Ivanka Trump yesterday also talked about the separation of families and stuff like that. She's Ivanka Trump. She's an assistant to the president. She's his daughter. Big deal. And when she disagrees with him on some few things, big deal. It's it's not the end of the world. And, of course, the news media was all over that. Were they all over this, what, this story, though? Here's, here's a story that is very interesting to those of you who know I am on the trail of the white liberal guiltist establishment out there and what happens for instance in st louis when you have a ribbon ribbon cutting for the arch they kind of forget to include black people in it even though a majority well 60 percent at least of the city is black and the county has a high percentage of blacks and yet they just decided they were not going to have blacks at the ribbon cutting and so that's your white liberal establishment for you blacks are useful to them only for the purposes of voting and for the purposes of scaring. So, you know, they'll come up with this Confederate statue thing. Most black people don't give a rip about Confederate statues. I don't know whether you guys noticed this, that the people crying foul most about Confederate statues are white people. And black people are too busy trying to work and raise their families and make a living and get on with life and maybe even protect themselves like it would be in the inner city from other gun-toting blacks or what have you. In Chicago, it's gotten to the point where they have demanded the resignation of Rahm Emanuel and say that this is not a Trump-free zone. Have you heard that? There's a black activist in Chicago saying, by the way, just letting you all know, this is not a Trump-free zone. Trump is more than welcome to come here and bring in the National Guard and shame you people. Look at that towel over there. And shame you folks. And I, I hope it does. I mean, to Henry Davis's point the other day, when he was in and he said he wants to hear from President Trump, I thought that was a legitimate situation, but more from a strategic point of view. I think President Trump could make a lot of hay here by stepping in where the some of the black leadership and indeed the white leadership has not tread. And Rahm Emanuel, you know, he is like he is part of that old white Democrat establishment, the the Hillary Clinton, Lida Krusen kind of establishment there. They're just old, white, liberal guiltists who don't really have a whole lot of respect for blacks unless they are simply pawns in their election games and people to scare away. And so that's why, you know, you had the big Confederate statue thing and blacks are like going, oh, thanks. Glad to know that racism is over now that Whitey has remove the Confederate statue from Forest Park. I'm, I'm sure that makes them feel really good when they go to their all-white 
democratic functions in the evening time when they talk amongst themselves about how they've resolved racism. Oh, did you see that we had the statue removed from Forest Park? What a victory that is for, for all of us. Blacks are like, not for us, because things are still the same as far as I'm concerned. I think they, they were removing Confederate statues in Chicago, too. And in Chicago, they're still killing each other by the dozens every weekend. So anyway, the blacks have, there have finally said, wow, yeah, this is not a Trump-free zone. And I, I think Trump ought to go to Chicago, ought to march in there like Sherman went through Georgia and have the National Guard in there and actually take action. Kind of like the way Governor Greitens did. Remember him? Remember the evil Governor Greitens when he went into the city of St. Louis during the, the verdict protest and everything else? He came in and he says, we're not going to do this anymore. We're going to bring in the National Guard. We're going to bring in the state police. And we're not going to let this happen anymore. That's what Governor Greitens did. Governor Greitens did more for the inner city and the black community than any of these white people like Stacey Newman, that moron. Who's never, who, who's never lifted a finger on behalf of, of blacks and protecting their, their property and lives. She's a big gun control advocate, and her slow son, Drew, same way. And they, they, they haven't done jack. But, you know, they go out and they, oh, Wesley Bell. Well, let's, let's have Wesley Bell as the prosecutor. See, I support black people, my little puppies out there. But anyway... I think Trump ought to go into Chicago, march in there with all the National Guard and say, I'm here to help where your Democrat white liberal establishment hasn't been. So anyway, to my point, this is a great example of it. You know, Smith College there in Massachusetts, Smith College couldn't be more liberal and couldn't be more white. Couldn't be more liberal and couldn't be more white. And I guarantee you, this story is probably not going to make national news. But here's what happened. This woman, well, I'll, I'll, I'll just kind of let the, let the news people tell you. It's now 5 o'clock. I shouldn't have to explain my existence and my being as a woman of color. A Smith College student wants answers, and she wants change after someone at the school saw her eating lunch and called police because they believed she seemed out of place. After- I mean, yeah, at the white, the whitest, most liberal college on the planet, Smith College, someone thought that a black person looked out of place. Yeah. Kind of, like, kind of like they thought a black person might look out of place at the ribbon cutting, you mean, at the arch? This is, this is, I feel sorry for this woman, but this is a classic story. What she describes as a crushing experience, she turned to social media to tell her story. And tonight she tells WBZ's Christina Hager that she wants the person who called police to come forward. And she, and she has tape and everything, I mean, of, of being confronted by a security guy and all this kind of stuff she has. It's, it's not one of these people who, you know, you sometimes you see these stories and you're like, Oh, come on. Really? This really happened. This really happened. And that's just not fair. This shouldn't happen to anyone at all. Amu Kanute is a rising sophomore at Smith college and works here this summer. I just think it's funny. Smith college. It's like you couldn't get more quintessentially white and liberal than a place like Smith College. The only thing it would have been maybe different if it's, this happened at Barnard College, for instance, in uh, in New York. 
chemistry at a high school. Or Vassar or someplace like that. You know, this is in that little realm. For Smith's STEM program. She was reading in the dining hall of the Tyler House dorm here Tuesday. Next thing you know, um, I see the cop walk in with a Smith employee whom I've never seen before. And um, the man asked me, uh, we were wondering why you're here. She says police told her an employee had called about a suspicious black man. She recorded video with her phone. Oh, I was eating lunch. I'm working the summer program. I mean, this is outrageous that this woman has to explain herself eating lunch at Smith College like that. But to my point, this is a white liberal college in Massachusetts. Somebody actually who works at the college apparently is suspicious enough about a black person being there. This is this is your white liberal academic establishment in all of its full glory. But in a broader sense, this is really what the white liberal is all about. They they're the ones, for instance, who will uh, put signs in their yards for Obama because he's their one black friend. And he can kind of – most of the white votes for Obama were that. They're like, oh, if, we, if I just vote for Obama, they, they could never call me racist, right? So I'll just vote for Barack Obama. And that's, that's the sum total of their concern for the black community. It's really kind of funny. Yeah. Text on Instagram with a post that's prompted outrage from supporters. It just still upsets me to just talk about it because I don't even feel safe on my own campus and I'm away from home. I'm I mean, can you believe this? If, if this were at the University of Texas, Austin, or I don't know, name or, or well, I don't know, Notre Dame. I used to think Notre Dame might have been more reasonable, but Notre Dame there and Notre Dame's no longer in that category, I don't think. But pick some kind of uh, – just pick some kind of school that might otherwise be uh, TCU, uh, Tulane, someplace in the south. you imagine this happening? This would be national news. But Smith College, I'll, I'll go through when I have a little more time. I'll go through – some of Smith College's benefactors, and I guarantee you, they're all part of the white Democrat establishment there in Massachusetts. This is from WBZ in Boston, everybody, at Smith College. Yeah. Send my family to go to college. I'm doing this for not only for me, but for my family, for my ancestors. Smith's president sent a statement apologizing and assuring the student that she belongs in all Smith's spaces. This painful incident reminds us of the ongoing legacy of racism and bias in which people of color are targeted while simply going about the business of their daily lives. I mean, this employee should be fired. You know, again, I'm not one of those people after somebody's job, but, but how is it possible that this employee can get away with making a mistake like this. And besides that, it, it'd be different. I, I, I'm always confounded sometimes by the behavior of, of these people. It'd be different if she were wandering around, you know, hallways or something and, and, and was, you know, doing something suspicious, but sitting down and having lunch in a, in a lunchroom, I, I just it's unbel- it's confounding to me. 
Building an inclusive, diverse, and sustainable community is urgent and ongoing work. What do you want to happen now? I want the identity of the caller released. I want a public apology from that caller. Yes, anyway, it's, it's, this story is two and a half minutes. It's too long, but nonetheless for TV, but it's still an important example of what can even happen at your liberal establishment. Believe me, you know, what's funny is that they've spent so much time, white liberals and others have spent so much time talking about what a racist Donald Trump is, and yet in the past month, We've had two, well, three glaring examples of basically white liberals turning their backs on blacks, whether it be Rahm Emanuel in Chicago doing nothing, whether it be Lyda Crusin and her gang and the, and, the, and the establishment banishing blacks from a ribbon-cutting ceremony here in St. Louis where they had to have a separate ribbon-cutting ceremony. And this situation is Smith College. It's really amazing. But they spend so much time talking about what a racist Donald Trump is, and, and boom. The, the only signs we're seeing of people who really are being nasty to, to blacks are white liberals. The, the same ones who, who every time they turn around, they see some kind of Confederate statue, and that becomes their cause celeb. It's crazy. And then we have pretty prime examples of blacks uh, rebelling. Now, keep in mind, remember when President Trump, and he he reiterated this again when he was in Florida, uh, about how much more pro-black he is than even people like Maxine Waters and others. Because when you, you just simply, in bulk, accuse whites of, of racism, that's not helping blacks. That's not the sum total of your help when you just simply point fingers at other at white people for being racist. It, that's not helping black people. And black people know that. I mean, it's, it's, it's they're so much smarter. Like these guys in Chicago, and I'll run the story down for you because it's, it's a pretty big deal. They're calling for Rahm Emanuel's resignation, which I don't think is, you know, they, he's not shooting anybody. But still, it's happening on his watch and you know we know where the buck stops sometimes and and i'm i'm just saying it's an opportunity for president trump to come in and shame the white liberal establishment to say no I, I i've got the national guard here i'm here with the national guard just kind of go right to the right to the person's doorstep i'm actually after having been in italy and in rome and looking at the whole entirety of the Roman Empire and all that went on back there. That's what people did back in the day. They just arrived with a bunch of people saying, we're here. Sometimes it was to take over a town, thus the walls in Italian towns. But nonetheless, arrive on a horse. President Trump ought to come in on a horse. That'd be a little too much, but maybe maybe, maybe I have a little too much Rome left of me after being there. I know he rides horse with people with in 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 uh, in armor, <laughs> but no man. President Trump's a gladiator. Let's do it. Go into Chicago, dude. Parachute pa- parachute into Chicago. Anyway, here's President Trump reiterating his commitment to the black community, and 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 he has proven this through economic moves and through returning community bank- banks to our environment. 
But check this out, everybody. Here he People is. Said, I don't know. Is that a nice thing? No. It's not nice or not unnice. What do you have to lose? The African-American unemployment rate has reached the lowest level in history. History. Thank you. You're welcome. You guys are great. Thank you. Blacks for Trump. They say blacks for Trump. <laughs> and, you know, that, that's not gratuitous. I mean, Anywhere that, you find the energy that's, to sorry, keep Stuart That's doing. really, sorry, people. That's, that's really the truth. And, and in fact, it, it came about here even, even more when we had the pastor, uh, David Scott. I'm sorry, Daryl Scott who is the co-founder of President Trump's National Diversity Coalition, who is African-American, one of nearly 20 inner-city pastors and faith leaders who attended a meeting with the president where lawmakers were also present. And he said himself, he said, this is probably the most proactive administration regarding urban America and faith-based community in my lifetime, he said. And the president actually wants to prove something to our community, our faith-based community and our ethnic community. This is probably going to be the most pro-black president I've seen in my lifetime. Now, again, you know, I, I still want to see proof in the pudding. We, we get all that. I understand that. But let's look at this, what this is. And yet people are spending more time, more energy trying to call President Trump a racist and not seeing the forest for the trees, not seeing the reality. Scott, this pastor Scott, criticized former President Obama, saying he felt like he didn't have to prove to get dedication to the black and faith-based communities. And that is true. Now, I always have believed, because keep in mind, President Obama, when some people were asked they would say that President Obama's main accomplishment, and these were not these were not smart people who who did this, but President Obama. They said that President Obama, the fact that he was elected, made him brilliant for black people. The, the very fact that he was elected to office was an accomplishment. Maybe so as the first black president, but that's not an accomplishment for blacks per se. I would make that argument all day long. And there are blacks who, and I'm talking about blacks who aren't diving for cover every day from gunfire, but I'm talking about the blacks in the entertainment industry and some of the higher political echelons. They will say that, yeah, uh, the, President Obama, the main accomplishment, Pascal was on this show not too long ago, and Pascal's a nice guy. He's a friend of mine. I'm going to be on his show eventually when we get back together again. He's got a great show going on, on on the interwebs. But even when I asked him, what do you think President Obama's main accomplishment was? He said, getting elected. I mean, for, for blacks, what did he do? Well, he became the first black president. Well, that's, that's, not an, that's not an accomplishment for blacks. That didn't help blacks at all when President Obama was elected president. What'd you get? What'd you get? What'd you get out of it? You got, I know you got an African-American museum in D.C. as part of the Smithsonian. I think that's what you got. But that's pretty much it. Race relations don't seem to be any better, and the death toll for blacks is certainly not better. But their economic conditions are getting better. That's a way out of the violence and everything else, hopefully, 
because it's a, it's a trickle down effect. You hope that happens. I've I've never been necessarily of the firm belief that blacks have different needs in particular than white people do, especially as it relates to safety of the family, when it relates to the economy and all those kinds of things. So I don't think there's really much specific that is different, but we do have a run of economic downturns and violence in the black community that needs to be addressed. That is a particular need of the black community. And it certainly isn't being addressed by some black leadership. And it certainly isn't being addressed by white liberal leadership everywhere where a majority of this stuff is happening under their watch. Not to say it's not their, not to say it's their fault, but the fact of the matter is it's happening when they're in office under their watch with their police departments running the show and their prosecutors running the show, and they should be held accountable for it. And they're doing so in Chicago, and President Trump is out there at least doing his part. But I do believe, yeah, he could do one step further and shame Rahm Emanuel, march in to Chicago with the National Guard and say, we're here, and we're going to stop this, and we're going to help. So. That should be a start. Well, we are live here from the Discovery Design Studios here in beautiful Gaslight Studios. And this is a great place down here in the Hill, Kings Highway, and Shaw. Giovanni's on the way. Thank you all for coming out last night to Santino Cigars and Cocktails. Margaret Sharp was out there. Did you guys see the Facebook post I put up there? Got a lot of friends there. And Ben, who uh, I call him the flag man because Ben is the one who uh, – Hooked me up with this uh, this flag, so I really appreciate it because I didn't have an American flag. Ben delivered, Ben McGuire, and uh, it was nice to see him. And Brett Steinhofer, who is a great guy, too. He's a uh, law enforcement officer, good guy, working for the FBI, and also has a band of law enforcement barbecuers. We're going to have him on the show next week. They go out and they they barbecue for events and all kinds of stuff, raising money for backstoppers, and it was a ton of fun. And Mike and Shannon were out there, and Tony and Kathy, nice to meet you as well out there. So thanks for all coming out to Santino's. That was not the official Radio Free Almond happy hour. I just want to let you know. I had just mentioned I was going to be down there, and so everybody came down there, and it was, it was great. I had some yippee Kaye whiskey, which is always good, just – just a couple of them. That'll do, that'll do the trick. And then uh, took home some Monkey 47 that uh, Mike laid on me. So that was fun as well. All right. So got a lot going on. We have President Trump's latest popularity poll numbers. And, of course, he's doing better if you believe polls. I, I'm always taking polls with a grain of salt, but we could talk about that anyway. So we have a ton to cover today, and I'll run down that video from Chicago of uh, the black leadership calling for the resignation of Rahm Emanuel. Also, did you see that Kane, you guys WWE fans, you are? You know Kane then? Yeah, Kane is like, he's like seven feet tall and about 345 pounds, and he is a new mayor. He ran for mayor under the mantle of Ronald Reagan and Kane is now the mayor of a Tennessee County, which I don't, I don't get that. I guess they, they have, they have, yeah, Knoxville County. He's now the mayor of Knoxville. This is a cool story. And Kane is the dude's world famous, man. 
Anybody who knows about wrestling knows about Kane. So we have that. We have uh, NBC talking about the environmental civil war. Are you guys uh, ready for that? We're going to have that for you as well. And then we also have a situation where we've got a guy who, uh, once again, threatened a member of Congress, this time Steve Scalise again. And who do you think this person is a fan of, the person who threatened Steve Scalise? Well, you could pretty much be sure it's a D, and we'll talk more about that. Also, Sean Hannity, uh, he came, he said he'd take out anybody who hurt Jim Acosta. And I got news for Sean. I love Sean, but Sean, dude, nobody's going to lay a hand on Jim Acosta. It's not worth the trouble, and it, it wouldn't help, and we don't do that. Conservatives don't do that. Remember, that's the purview of the left wing. They're the ones who burn things punch people, throw eggs at people, shoot people, and intimidate people, not conservatives. So, Sean, you're wasting your breath, buddy. Without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, our national anthem. Back. Brand 
touch and the flame in your eyes. Good boy. I'm born this morning. Oh, he pulled man. off? Damn, dude. Man, these guys are sticklers. Oh, shoot. Sorry. Damn, man. Well, you know what that is, though? That's like a... That's like a... That's a major song, so... Yeah. Yeah, we're going to get back up there, so sorry, people. I mean, we're waiting to get back up on Facebook. If you're listening on the stream... You know. Darn it. I should have known better, though, you know. They uh, they pulled us off. Yeah, I know. I know. I know. I was trying to get away with it just for a little while, at least. And usually I figure that if I, if I could talk over it, I would... Uh, I, I normally would, would be okay, but I, I didn't... I didn't didn't talk over it enough, I guess, did I? So let me know when we're back up. I know you guys on the stream, I'm sorry. I, I kind of do this simultaneous uh thing that we do. And so I wanna make sure I'm uh I wanna make sure that I'm I'm caught up so you guys are on. Are they what do they do? Do they still just not not let us go back up again? Now we're officially back. All right, people. We're officially back. Man, it's a shame to be punished that severely for playing a Brooks and Dunn song. I think that Brooks and Dunn, that's the thing I don't understand about, about these guys is, is that, for instance, I heard, you know, I, the reason why I, I have Brand New Man on my playlist is because I'm listening to satellite radio in the Jeep and I'm listening to satellite radio and I, and I am on Y2 country or prime country or that kind of thing. We still off. Okay. I just don't see us. I don't know what, but we don't catch up. Oh, you know, I know. Yeah. I got to pull it back up. Sorry, people. This is not great radio here, but I'm, I'm just having to, uh, having to get back on here and, and get back up and up to, up to speed. Always, I'm I'm always apologetic about this kind of stuff. I'm sorry, people. But the re- one of the reasons why I have the reasons why I have that song, "Brand New Man" from Brooks and Dunn, is because I was listening to it on on Prime Country or Y2K Country. I don't know which one it was on my satellite radio, and so I listened to it on satellite radio, and then I bought the song on my iTunes. It's uh, So I bet you some of you guys, when I play some music, because you guys like my bumper music a lot, I bet, I bet you a lot of you, when you hear it, you go out and buy the song. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that song. I'm going to go ahead and buy it. It's like, so I don't understand why they would just like kick you off. It's not like I'm, you know, it's not like I'm just, I don't know. It's not like I'm playing it and then attacking Brooks and Dunn. You know what I mean? Coming up just a little later on, I had this sent to me by my buddy, Dr. Eric Naputi, NaputiWellness.com. 
Uh, oh, okay. Thank you, Michael. So Brooks and Dunn stopped touring and are in Vegas now as a home base. Okay. With Reba McIntyre. Okay. Gotcha. Okay. I'll have to go to Vegas to see him then. So I, I got my, I had to do a physical or a, a test for my life insurance. I'm getting through Matthew Mitchell, the Matthew Mitchell Allstate Agency, 855-QUOTE-ME. Matthew, thank you so much for uh, supporting Radio Free Almond. And I had to get a physical for it. And, and I have my car insurance with him. I have my home insurance with him. And by the way, so a couple of stories about Matthew and about the, my physical and about cholesterol levels, because this is what I'm getting at. So the service I get from Matthew Mitchell is so cool, and he'll do this for everybody. I got rid of my Malibu, got into my Jeep. Thank you, Dave Sinclair, for that, and my Jeep Rubicon. And so I had to get new plates for it and redo my plates and all that kind of stuff. And I had told Matthew I was going to get in my new VIN number, and then he was going to transfer the insurance over to my Jeep. So I was at the driver's license bureau there, and so I then realized, oh, darn it, I don't have that in my insurance card. But they actually never asked for it. I don't know why. Normally, they ask you for proof of insurance. They didn't ask me for proof of insurance to plate my car. They normally do that. I'm at the driver's license bureau in Maplewood. They're all, I it used to be such drudgery to go into driver's license bureaus, but now it's, it's, I don't know, it's a lot easier. They know how to do it and they got a phone queue. You sign up and they put your name up on the list. That's, that's because I think they stopped giving them to political cronies. And they're now run by more professional people. Cause it used to be the driver's license bureaus were gifted to supporters of a governor and they'd have the governor's picture in there. And, you know, under Carnahan, I remember, I remember covering the story cause these driver's license bureaus were a mess. They, they mishandled money and everything else. And, uh, you know, family members con- contributors to these campaigns and they, they would be gifted. They were just basically, it was cronyism and it's at its highest level. And normally what would happen is a governor would be elected they would come in and kick out all the people who who were like, for instance, Republican who ran driver's license bureaus and then moved Democrats in. That's how they transferred driver's license bureaus. They'd be owned by a bunch of just political operatives and family members or whatever, and they'd go in there and they'd run these bureaus. That's why you got all these – that's why driver's license bureaus were so – they were – so insufferable because they were patronage offices and they were given it was like this old really archaic system and they were patronage offices and they were just given to people and i remember doing an investigation of these driver's license bureaus all over the place they were mishandling money they were misspending money they were losing money people were stealing money i did a lot i did a pretty good expose on this while back it was one of my investigative reports and it was corrupt and it, and and usually what would happen is you'd have one guy who owned a who who ran a driver's license bureau and then the entirety of his family would work there it was it was so banana republic it was just crazy and that's why you'd get you know cousin Rasmus and auntie Annie 
and all in the same place. It was just it was like hillbilly central at these places. And and that's why when you walked in, they'd look at you sideways, like, what are you doing here? But now it's different. They privatized him and really good people run him and, and it's it's a different experience at the driver's license bureau. Anyway, I I have to I get my VIN number, send it to Matthew. I said, How soon can you send me my insurance card? And he texted me back a picture of my insurance card this soon. It was like within ten minutes I had it. That's the kind of service I get from Matthew. Anyway, 855 quote me is the Matthew Mitchell Allstate Agency. I hope you guys use them. They're supporting the uh yeah, it was Matt Blunt who did a lot of that uh Gwen, thank you. Cleaned up the driver's license bureau thing cuz I did a story I I did the story while Carnahan was in office. I did I did that story. Anyway, so I had to go through I hope you support Matthew Mitchell. He supports Radio Free Almond. So I had to go through this life insurance you do know the whole physical thing. And everything checked out fine except for my cholesterol level. Now, my family, it runs in my family that we have a a high good cholesterol level. And either way, though, you're scored based on your cholesterol level. And I guess it doesn't matter whether it's high or low for some of these underwriters, right? So I'm informed that I have a cholesterol level of 265, which, you know, and I, I take pretty good care of my, I don't eat a lot of crap. You know, I exercise daily and I take pretty good care of myself. I mean, I, you know, I'll have a Santino cigar here and there every once in a while and a whiskey, you know, that kind of stuff. But uh, that God said, God one time told me that doesn't count. I went, I went to the, uh, went to the mountaintop and asked him, can I have a, High West, yippee Kaye, every once in a while, God. He goes, yes, you can. And it's fine. It comes from corn. And I made the corn, said God. Can I have a six-pack of Bud? Yes, of course, JB, you can. Because I made the hops that make the beer. So, yes, of course, you. it grows out of the ground that I made. So I just want to let you know you can certainly have that. And I can even have a Santino cigar? Of course, my son. Because I grow tobacco. And tobacco comes from the ground as well. And I made the ground and the plants. So of course you can. So I, I had all those things given to me. Can I have a uh, Big Mac? See, then, then, then it gets to be a slippery slope. Because God would have to tell you yes, because he made the grain that makes the bun. And he made the cow that made the beef. And so you guys, so there is a, there, there is a slippery slope there. I get it. Anyway, so I have a, I have a, yeah, watch the carbs. Yep. Uh, and I think I've got to do more. Thank you, Mike. Mike is saying, watch the carbs and do more veggies and lean protein and get a lip of profile. You know, but, but here's what I'm getting at. And I'll get to this a little later on when Gia comes in. So I want to talk to her about that too. Is so I asked Dr. Deputy about the level, and I'm kind of like in a state of panic. I've always had higher cholesterol, but my levels were always high good cholesterol and low bad cholesterol. So that apparently is is not a bad thing necessarily. But a, but apparently when you're scored, you're just scored as a overall cholesterol level, and so it doesn't matter to some people whether or not you're 
you have high good cholesterol. It's just high cholesterol, period. So I asked Dr. Deputy about this, and he, first of all, he wonders whether or not I actually fasted properly and everything else. And I don't really think I did. So, but nonetheless, because I, I forgot that I had the people, come, the nurse coming to the house. I, it, you know, so I don't know. Maybe was, the test was skewed. But either way, I generally have a. But to, to my point about it, Naputi texts me back this study that basically, and 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 even the uh, the American Medical Association says cholesterol levels really are way overdone. They, they, they really, it's, it's basically the cholesterol f- fear factor. The fear machine is designed to get you to take more of the cholesterol drugs. I'm serious. It's a big, it's a big deal. I'll, I'll tell you about it in just a little bit here because he texted me back an entire study that basically was all about how the, Drug manufacturers and some people in the medical community have made this just the, a big deal for the purpose of just simply selling you more drugs. Here, let me see. Uh, it's the it's the study that he showed me here. Do do uh, twenty nine billion reasons to lie about cholesterol, and it's an entire story about how. They're they're really just trying to get you to buy cholesterol drugs. I'm reading from my phone here. We are told that high cholesterol levels pose a major risk factor for developing heart disease. We're also told that consumption of foods containing certain things make us susceptible to heart disease. This is known as the lipid hypothesis or could also be referred to as the cholesterol idea or cholesterol hypothesis. And they say, this book provides unequivocal evidence to show that the cholesterol idea is false and is now communicated solely for the purpose of sustaining a cholesterol-lowering industry that generates around $29 billion a year in drug sales. So basically what they're saying is that the whole cholesterol deal where they're trying to tell you and scare you into getting these drugs, that the whole cholesterol deal is a scam. And that's from Dr. Naputi, NaputiWellness.com. And the American Medical Association doesn't go that far, but they basically say, yeah, it really isn't that big of a deal. So... You know, it's interesting because I, I, I have a feeling that uh, Mike is uh, in in the medical business. He said that uh, he said a lot of these cholesterol studies are done, but they're on people with also existing underlying diseases. And so, I'm fascinated by this article that Doctor Naputi sent me, and and Doctor Naputi is a really good. Do- I mean, he's my doctor. He's a good doctor, and I trust him. He's helped me through a lot of different things, and he's a good guy, and he wouldn't scam me either. Because you know what? Because telling me, you know, Doctor Dupuy could easily say, "Hey, listen, I'm going to get you. I'm going to I'm going to sell you this fantastical herb for fifty bucks a bottle, and it'll it'll lower your cholesterol." No, he said, "Bah, here, read this." I was like, "Okay," and didn't sell me a darn thing. And so 
$29 billion industry of cholesterol-lowering drugs. Pretty amazing. So I'll follow up on that. Thank you, Mike, by the way. Uh, Let's see. uh, However, if someone is a diabetic, high blood pressure, and does have vascular disease, definitely some of these uh, drugs are definitely – hold on. I'm trying to read. I'm, I'm not. I don't want to. Definitely, uh, they definitely statins can't be beneficial and are important. So they can be beneficial. So yeah, I I'm, I I get that. But I would see your doctor. Don't listen just to me, and don't listen to me telling you what my doctor says either. I just want you all. But the, the but the but the article he sent me was definitely fascinating. And calm me down quite a bit, but I learned that these guys are just really just pushing pharmaceuticals and drugs on you. But I also got a friend who suggested uh, an herb, if you're still interested in lowering your cholesterol, just for the sake of doing it, if you have other things going on. It's called bergamot, and it's a citrus-based natural supplement. I haven't picked it up yet. That will help you along the lines if you're that concerned about it. Anyway, ladies and gents, the daily presidential tracking poll, the Rasmussen folks. Now, here again, you know, I spend a lot of my time talking about how a lot of polls have been wrong in the past. And so I'm now I'm telling you about a poll, but I, I always say take it with a grain of salt and just – I'll send. I'll get. I'll give you the poll information, and then you can decide whether or not you are uh, supportive of the poll. But just for the sake of argument here, the Rasp uh, Earl Grey. Thank you, Father Tom. He says Earl Grey tea has bergamot, mont, or whatever it is. Thank you. You all are so knowledgeable. That's what I love. That's what I love about having the interaction with Facebook. And eventually, I'll be I'll be very happy to have our phones in when we actually start Radio Free Allman 2.0, and we'll have phone lines and everything else, and we'll be able to uh, have you call into the show because I've all, that's one thing I've always loved about the Allman Nation is that there's so many. <laughs> I know Scott. I, I knew so, Gia was the first one to send me the the. The link to vagina beer, but Scotty beat her to it talking about it because Scotty just te- just uh, put up a link to this vagina beer. It's like, come on, people, really? We'll talk more about that too. So you guys are so knowledgeable, and you have just a wide uh, stretch of different kinds of. Uh, let's see, bergamot, ALA, omega three fatty acids all help with cholesterol. Thank you. You guys are so knowledgeable about a wide range of, range of things. I love it. I could I could throw something out there, and I got I get a ton of information back. Or sometimes I just forget somebody's last name, and you guys help me out with that. So, thank you. All right. So the Rasmussen reports daily presidential tracking poll for Thursday yesterday. <clears throat> pardon me. Shows that fifty percent of likely U.S. voters approve of President Trump's performance, 49% disapprove. So it's basically just like the election of November 2016. America's split right down the middle. That's how it all works out, and, and that's what's happening. Is but, but the 50% approval, no matter how you slice it, look at it, and, and, and this is, again, 
according to the Rasmussen poll. So if you don't believe in polls, then this poll isn't for you. But 50% of Americans, likely voters, approve of President Trump's performance, which is a big deal considering that Barack Obama at this time in his career did not have a 50% approval rating. At this time in his career, he wasn't doing nearly as well. And he's godlike in the eyes of, of so many people. So good for President Trump, uh, happy for President Trump, and certainly Americans are happy as well. And this is going into the 2018 election and beyond. So I have to tell you that, folks, I, I saw the stories on Drudge Report. I saw the links on Hot Air. I saw all these things that were telling us that Democrats are raising money like mad and they are, and I don't blame them. I mean, listen, if you if you are deciding that this is the elections are going to be a cakewalk, I, I wouldn't do that. I mean, listen, President Trump won the election, but the country was pretty much divided in half. It was not a it was not an easy thing for for him to do. And yes, Hillary Clinton did win the popular vote, but of course, that doesn't matter in our electoral college system, and thankfully so. It's not supposed to. But still, it's a it's a measure of the fact that not everybody voted for President Trump. And so for us to kind of look the other way and say, ah, forget about it, you're crazy. Because keep in mind, that's what the Democrats did in 2016, and we swamped them. And so be careful about that. I do think 2020 is going to see a landslide victory for President Trump. I think if if the if the Democrats win one state, they'll be lucky as far as I'm concerned. This is we're looking at Ronald Reagan like election turnouts in 2020. 2018 is going to be a different story. Democrats are raising money like crazy. They're very much they're very motivated, and right now they're clinging to Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Keep in mind, by the way, do you know, and, and, and can somebody answer this for me, please? Hold on. Um, do, 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 do. I still have that Brooks and Dunn song in my mind. Can somebody answer this for me, and, and, and maybe I'm crazy, but I don't think I am. I might be crazy in other ways, but I don't think I am. So I'm typing in Ocasio-Cortez into my phone when I was texting Gia to let her know what's up and when she's coming in, give her kind of a list of things I was talking about, I was thinking about. And I'll be darned if my phone, my iPhone, does not autocomplete Ocasio-Cortez. I'm not kidding you. Try it on your iPhone. Good morning this morning, Elaine. Try it on your iPhone. Try, t- you have an iPhone, man? See, see if you could start with O-C-A-S-I and then O or whatever. Just see if it, see if it auto Did it? See, it does. How is it? How is it? I've never typed Ocasio-Cortez. I barely even knew her name. Never typed it into my phone before. Never. 
Never typed it into my phone. And I'm not I'm not a big conspiracy theorist, but I kind of am when it comes to Apple and these other guys. Because it doesn't would but but yeah, it's uh it, it you it auto completes Ocasio Cortez. Now can someone explain to me why it would uh auto complete Ocasio Cortez? I don't know. But it does. And that to me, that shows you everything you need to know about Apple and all these other goofballs out there. I know what you're up to, people. So these guys are raising money like mad. Ocasio Cortez went to Los Angeles. But you know what's really interesting is they're they're acting as as though as though Hollywood is shunning her. But I don't know whether that's actually accurate. I th- I think that they're kind of setting her up because she went to L.A. but didn't have, for instance, this story says Coffee with Carl Reiner, Katzenberg and David Geffen, no $5,000 plate dinner at Robert Iger's mansion in Brentwood. Uh, and these people who are part of this political and philanthropic agency, the consultancy firm there, says that none of our clients are meeting with her. And none of the other political authors or members of the industry's donor class reached by phone were aware of any meetings with Ocasio-Cortez. So, but what she's doing is she's having these sit-down luncheons, like these that are like $27 luncheons. And you can, and, and, and she says uh, she's going to be in a church. A church, really? Oh, the first Unitarian church. I get it. I knew a lot of Unitarians when I was a kid. And, yeah, they were uh, they're pretty liberal. So uh, th- she's got a 7 to 9 meeting today, tonight, at the First Unitarian Church that will include a conversation about taking on the political establishment, how best to create a better socialist future. And they keep on saying, well, this isn't going to be just like Venezuela. This is going to be a different kind of socialism. Oh, I see. The church's capacity is 700. Prices range for tickets range from $50 for core supporters to $27 for supporters and $15 for friends. And so as much as I completely disagree with her philosophy, political philosophy, she seems to be for her brand doing it the right way, right? She seems to be doing it the right way in terms of uh, putting a, a kind of a more humble face on her campaigning with the $27 tickets. But keep in mind, people, she's not if, – if she thinks that that's the way she's going to fund her socialist system, she's crazy. She's actually going to need people like David Geffen and these guys to buck up because she'll be stealing from them in large percentages – Maybe that's why they haven't been very supportive of her because they know that her the only way to fund her ridiculous pursuits is to steal more money from Americans. It's just not going to work. But boy, she they love her all over. Colbert and all the other guys, they just love this Ocasio-Cortez. They think this is going to be the new the future of America. The socialist future of America. You realize this happened, by the way, this, this whole thing uh, with, with uh, 
with her announcement that she's, you know, now a serious potential candidate that might go beyond Congress. What's fascinating about this whole thing is that on that's the same day that Apple hit a milestone when it came to its profiting. Apple is as much as we sometimes hate it and as much as Apple is, I think, plotting for whatever reason because they're auto-filling Ocasio-Cortez. I don't know how they did that. That still is just crazy to me. Have you guys done that? Have you typed in Ocasio-Cortez? Okay, just put Ocasio in there. It'll hyphenate and everything and complete Ocasio-Cortez's name. I'm not kidding you. But anyway, Apple is the very essence of ingenuity, started in somebody's garage, as you know, Stephen Jobs, and is a great example of capitalism. Apple is. How is it that Apple, a great example of capitalism, can be helping you autocorrect Ocasio-Cortez, the very emblem of socialism. How's it possible? Well, it is in this world, people. It is. All right, coming up, I just saw uh, the beautiful Gia Valenti walking into the uh, green room or whatever whatever that room is. It's red, really, but she's there. We're going to talk more about that. Jim Talent's going to be joining us. And yesterday, Jim was comp- telling me about this craziness with uh, the airlines yesterday. D. Alexander, yes, my phone did it with OSC. I mean, isn't that freaky, D? Freaky D? Isn't that freaky? I I just noticed it last night. Auto-completing Ocasio-Cortez. That is not an accident because Ocasio-Cortez is not a common name. Hold on. I'm trying to find my little break music here, and then we're going to bring G in. I hope I don't get kicked off. That's the problem is I'm playing some of these people who I absolutely uh, dearly love, and I'm kind of in this uh, more more of this country mode now. A lot of really good songs out there. And do you think I can get away with a little Miranda Lambert? No. You think you can kick me off with her if I talk over a little bit? Love Miranda. Miranda was down in Alabama last night. Okay. Well, anyway, Miranda Lambert was down there with uh, Little Big Town in Alabama, and my buddy Christine and Jim, two friends of mine from Alabama, were down there. I saw it on Facebook, and I texted in the link to this song because this is a good one here. At least get it, get it kicked off here real quickly, and then we can... They say life is so much sweeter... Through the telephoto lens of fame Around here you get just as much attention Wait, it's gonna get a hit and then you can turn it off Cheering at the high school football game Yeah, take it away, baby, come on now Woo! I dreamed of going to Nashville Put my money Gia Valenti, come on in. But I just got the first book of the season. Good morning this morning, guys. I made the front page of the Turner Town Gazette. Every last one round one rural heart's got a story to tell. Every 
morning, everybody. Welcome to Radio Free Almanac. Thank you to Discovery Design. We are in the Discovery Design Studios. DiscoveryDesignInc.com. And thank you again to all of our growing list of sponsors out there. I hope you guys will support them as much as you can. You know, Santino Cigars and Cocktails was down there last night. That was great. Thank you to all of you who came out. It wasn't. It was just an impromptu thing, Gia. We we, we haven't done the official Radio Free Almond Happy Hour down there. Because oh, okay. then you'll grace us with your presence. I'll down be there. there. I'm you trying will. to check the place out. It's really nice. Is it? Yeah, it's really a great place. I love cigar bars. And, and, and it's a fun place because it's you know Mike and Shannon. It's almost like going into a. Uh... Oh, did they kick us off? Oh, okay. I love Miranda. Are you are you a fan of this kind yeah. of music? Are you? Oh yeah, I love country. Miranda Lambert is just I love her. She can sing. She really can. And I was just saying, I saw my friends from Alabama were down there. She came to Alabama. She doesn't. She hasn't come to St. Louis lately, but I guess she's she'll be here eventually. She comes to Nashville, Chicago, those play kind of places. They play, you know, like like the Zach Brown Band. Uh, they kind of took over one of the channels, mm-hmm. and they were live in New York. They had two concerts there at Madison Square Garden, or no, it was uh, the Mets baseball field. They, well, either way, they had two concerts mm-hmm. back, you know, and, and sold out each one of them in New York City. Wow! So even those city slickers like them some country. Yep. Although I bet you, how many people are going to go and go? Jack Brown isn't country. Okay. A lot of people. Who else do they not think is country? Um, I don't another know. person. You, 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 or, yeah, I know. Well, like, um, um, Rascal, Rascal Flats. Flats. You know, they right. always give Rascal Flats yep. a brief, you know. I love Rascal Flats. Me too. I mean, you know, I mean, listen. Some people, it's like, well, if you're not Justin Moore, you're not country. I go, I get it, but, you know, it's not always the case. So anyway, hi. Hi. Oh, I, uh, my other sponsors, I forgot to tell you. Then, then we have Santino Cigars and Cocktails. We have the Naputi Wellness Center. We have Discovery Designs, Inc., which for all of your trucking needs and all your hauling needs, they'll build a truck to your satisfaction, and they'll do it beautifully as well. We have uh, Mattress King, one Mattress King on Facebook. Really appreciate these guys. Golden Oak Lending's coming on board. And we've got a couple other folks. I'm actually in talks with uh, the Suntrip guys who are possibly going to be coming on board. And Proctor Drapery, Michael and I just need to kind of sign on the dotted line and get things going on. Proctor Drapery, Proctor spelled like doctor, proctordrapery.com. And then we have the Nutrition HQ. My buddy Ricky Hall and I are going to get together for that. So, yeah. We're off to the races, people. That's how it all is working. And that's how we fund free conservative radio. We keep it going on. We get it going on. So anyway, I told the people, and you might have been in transit, that when you and I were talking last night in kind of preparation for the show and what we were going to talk about and just kind of, hey, what are you, what's on your mind? And I, I texted you the Ocasio-Cortez. And so, I when I texted it to you, it auto-filled Ocasio-Cortez on my phone. Mm-hmm. That was spooky to me. 
I mean, I oh, just I thought you said it didn't. No, it did. Oh, it did. Okay. So, so I, I said I, I did O C A S I, and then it suddenly was like Ocasio Dash Cortez. I mean, that's not a common name. No, but it is a common search right now. Oh, so is that what is that what uh, they do? Mm-hmm. Oh, see, Gia Valenti is the technological wizard, <laughs> the tech expert, anti-tech tech expert. <laughs> Well, you know, it's it is, isn't it true though that well, it's kind of like in order to be a really good prosecutor, some of the best prosecutors were once defense attorneys because you you got to know you know what's going right. on and how the other half you know kind of operates, and so if you are going to be the technological wizard in terms of advising people about tech, you kind of got to know how it works, and that's how it works. It, it, yeah. If you type in Google something that's a popular or common uh, trending topic or person, it will come up. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, that's not as much Sorry, fun as I know. That's not as I much was, fun as the Apple liberals plotting to help yeah. Ocasio Cortez, right? Right. It's more fun to think about these. That- Corrupt. Yeah, right. <laughs> these hipsters back there. I know what Conspiracy. we'll do. We'll autofill Ocasio Cortez. Mm-hmm. Ah, uh, interesting. But that did you just hear that? So, if it's a, a commonly searched item, it shows up in autofill. So, okay, it's not as much fun as a conspiracy, but it's it's close, right? Yeah. Now, one thing I also notice is you can't, and I'm not that I do this a lot, but it won't let you punch in effing. It's always ducking. Why is that? I would never type that word, so I have no idea, but... People you know who do type oh, it? absolutely. They always say, ducking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, why is that? I don't know. Because, I mean, there's... Well, because... Well, okay. I guess, I guess it's so you don't accidentally send the F word. That could be. I don't know. Huh. But it is only that word. It is. I know it is. It's not the other ones. It is. The, yeah, the people we know. I, I forgot. Yeah, they would say somebody we know who types that right. a lot mm-hmm. notices they have to go back <laughs> and do it all over again. How is your effort going with the uh, Learn with Moxie? LearnwithMoxie.com. We've got school on the way. And we know Lindbergh has been nice enough to adopt the program, correct? Yes. It won't be this year. It'll be 2019. Because in public schools, they do a lot of their fiscal planning and budget planning well in advance. Right, right. So they don't just pull the trigger right off the bat. But um, yeah, Lindbergh is, they actually asked me to customize a program. So it's not the original Learn with Moxie, it's empowered by Moxie. Oh, okay. So it focuses more on same thing, communication skills, conversational competence, being able to, you know, be verbally competent. Yeah. But the topics have more to do with drugs, alcohol, vaping, juuling, oh, bullying. Good. Yeah. So their idea was rather than it be kids that are going into these sit-down seminars where they have somebody from the NCADA come in and lecture them about, you know, vaping does this yeah, and, you know, right. Swiss cheese long. And <laughs> that they would rather them be active in their learning and be engaged and present versus wah, 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 okay. wah. we keep getting these speakers that come in and talk to us. Because well, I've, I've had that happen with, with Aiden in, in, in school there because mm-hmm. vaping was, a, was an issue uh, mm-hmm. there in school. Yep. So uh, that's a, it still is an issue. Yeah, right. It's a thing right now. But, but you're saying that the different model would be more engaging 
uh, instead of sitting them down. Now, now, parents I know also take part in these seminars, correct? Sometimes. I mean, sometimes it's a it, during school forum, and then sometimes they have things outside of school hours that, you know, they right. have a speaker come and parents are invited, and, you know, who's going to show up and who's, yeah. who's not. You know? I went to one of those. It was pretty interesting. Oh, yeah. There's a woman, I think, in St. Louis named Julie Smith, who apparently is this – I think she speaks more on social media. Yeah, yeah. But I think there's someone else that the NCADA sends out that's really a dynamic speaker to parents about right. these issues. So anyway, that was the idea is let's get the kids more involved in, in conversing and sharing with their peers and talking about these issues versus – yeah. You know, and and, and again, I'm not in general against uh, vaping or whatever, but I, I I do have to tell you that that I believe these experts when they say that it's pretty clear that these vaping people have designed these cartridges and things like that to look not like right. what they are. They the look jewels. like thumb drives. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. So that's why it's opening the door to a lot of uh, abuse and that kind of thing. But you know what? If if that's the case, then I guess what we need to do is just go and uh, and, and figure out as parents how to deal with it. And then, you know, because we're not going to shut the company down. Right. And you, and you wouldn't want that to. because there are other people who do vape and who do utilize it. And, you know, that's just – how it goes and you don't want to deny them the ability to 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 vape by the way speaking of smoking and vaping i was talking to mike marino last night and now there are apparently enough signatures now in st louis county as well Hmm. to put a full-on smoking ban in st louis county and st charles county a full-on smoking ban i mean this is I'm telling you, this is government running amok. Who are these people who are promoting an all-out smoking ban in every establishment in St. Louis County and St. Charles County? So this goes beyond the initial, you can't smoke where food is served. Now we're talking about... Everywhere. Everywhere. Like any building, right. any any bar, any restaurant, any any place like that. It's an all-out ban on smoking. Now, to me, listen, if you're on a bus or if you're in a grocery store, do you have the right not to have to breathe in other people's smoke? Well, yeah, in a public setting you do. I mean, but if Schnooks wanted to allow smoking in the grocery store, which you wouldn't want to do, but if they did, you couldn't go in and say you have the right to shop in a smoke-free environment, you really don't. You, you don't have the right to, to eat in a restaurant or drink at a bar that is smoke-free. If, it, if it's a place that allows smoking don't, and you don't like it, don't go there. I used to be half-owner of a restaurant um, a few years back. Oh, you were? I was. Mm-hmm. Is it still around? Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. But How come you're not half-owner anymore? You didn't want to do it anymore? No. It's hard work. It, it's a tough business. It is. I was in the restaurant business for a long time. You know, I think everybody should have to be in the restaurant business at some point, as well as the military. And is it? I can guess why, because you learn a lot about people and, and a lot about things. and Just and, and respect and reverence for the service industry. Ah, yeah. I mean, it's amazing to me how people treat servers. Oh, yeah. I, I agree. It's unreal. Yeah. And – Property. 
you know, salt and sugar, uh, salt and yeah. pepper shakers and sugar packets and ketchup bottles are not there for your child to busy themselves with. <laughs> right. You know, I mean, that's, 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 um, you know, cost right. for the owner. So I'm laughing about it, but you it are dead serious, aren't you? I mean, my kids have never, I would, I, I would. No, I don't, no, I don't let them, I don't like, I don't let them, you know, un, uh, unravel or tear open sugar packs. And, and build create. mounds of, no, you know, like, no, I've seen, no. I've seen it. I'm I know. thinking, my God, what is wrong with you? Yeah, yeah, I know. Well, you know, to me, I, 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 I've, I've had the occasion of, you know, for instance, uh, you know, Amy, Amy Eichmann said she was approached in the Walmart parking lot to sign a petition for forcing mm-hmm. casinos. I think that's the same person who was at, at the Whole Foods parking lot the other day who I avoided. They had a petition in their hand. I just walked. I just absolutely just went the other way. They're coming, I wonder if that was They're it. going door to door, too. They came to my door the other day. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Golly, yeah. what, what is wrong with these people for the smoking man? Anyway, I digress. But being a restaurant owner, it was I owned a restaurant during the time that they made the you know decision that if you serve food, no more smoking. So I have been with people uh, before, and it's kind of how I almost uh, sometimes gauge a person's character is is how they treat servers. Mm-hmm. And I've been with people who it's like, why, why are you talking to that person that way? Mm-hmm. Or, or when somebody brings you something, why wouldn't you say thank you? You know what I mean? Like I, I could never sit there and have somebody bring me something and not acknowledge that the, the person just did that, not interact with the person doing right. that. You know what I mean? It's, yeah. But some people, I've been with people who think that who that's the that's how they kind of exercise their, you know, their power, power. is by uh, kind the, of treating the server, the server like, like a like like the hired help, right. you know, like the slave mm-hmm. or whatever. Yeah, gives them a sense of you know, of something, self worth or whatever. I guess it, you learn a lot in that business about people. A lot. Well, then on the other side too, as an owner. Uh, the people I've talked to is a oh thank you Todd he's listening in Nashville Nashville's a beautiful town I love Nashville do you know I'm dying to go oh you should I, driv- I drive through on my way to Hilton Head oh yeah and I see the skyline and right before you actually get into Tennessee you go yeah. through this beautiful you know uh, nickel da- nickel jack dam or whatever it's beautiful yeah dying to go yeah it is it is uh Beautiful everywhere. When you go down there, what you'll see are cranes everywhere, building cranes because everywhere. Building. They are <laughs> kicking rear end when it comes to to You talk about a town that is booming and everything else. Even though its mayor recently had to resign or whatever over something going on, but they still are. They're well put together, and yet yeah, it helps to be kind of an entertainment town. They have all that tourism money in there and everything else. But it's a great city, and they are building, building, building. I remember taking – I was going down to North Carolina to go to my uh, a dedication of one of my, my lovely grandma's gardens. It's a long story there. But anyway, I was taking the girls, and so I took uh, Natalie and Lily down there, and we left and then stayed in na- overnight in Nashville. And the girls loved that whole thing. But 
Lily, we went into one of the establishments, and everywhere you go in Nashville, there are people, there's music. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes, I, I was stayed there one time, and I was at a hotel, and then the hotel bar, the, the, the band in the hotel bar was every bit as good as any band you'd see and you'd pay 22 bucks to see at the Blueberry Hill or whatever it is uh, because because they're all session musicians, but the session musicians in the evening time are a band, and they're like top-notch. Anyway, we go into these re- this one restaurant, and Lily walks in with her hands over her ears. And I told Lily, I said, you should never do that in Nashville. <laughs> <laughs> Don't ever cover your ears in Nashville. It's very insulting to the people in Nashville. But it was too loud, I guess, for her or whatever. So she covers her ears walking into a restaurant. I'm like, Don't do that. I know. It was a little loud. I would imagine music in Nashville is like wine in France or yeah. Italy. Oh, like, yeah. It can't really get a bad is. Glass. Can't yeah. hear a bad band. Even the musicians, I don't know whether I've seen them, but. Even the, the like the kind of the hobo musicians are good, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know the ones yeah, on the street, street with their with the guitar cases open. Speaking of loud, I'm sorry, people. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna take one quick dip into Jim Acosta, and then we'll move on. This guy, I think, now is. I think he's. I think he now can be pretty much considered mildly mentally ill because he's obsessed with this media enemy of the people stuff. And he's made this a crusade to the point where I think now other journalists are embarrassed by him. You, let's see this the other day. Follow up on, uh, on Sarah's question from NPR. She asked you about Ivanka Trump's statement that the press is not the enemy of the people. And she asked you whether or not the press is the enemy of the people. You read off a laundry list of your concerns about the press and, and things that you feel like are misreported. This but- goes on for three minutes. This is and I don't you don't need to I don't need to play you this this whole thing but it's 3 minutes of Jim Acosta badgering Sarah Huckabee Sanders because she just won't say that the media are not enemies of the people and 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 we all know what President Trump was talking about regarding fake news and everything else but I I happen to take it a little bit further I do believe that most of the media are enemies of the people because if you're an enemy of the truth and you facilitate and oversee beatings and attacks on Trump supporters without ever reporting them as such, when when you actively engage in allowing people a platform to call President Trump a racist, a xenophobe, when you overlook national politicians who describe Trump supporters as deplorable, which is putting a target on their back. Where were you, Jim Acosta, when the media and Democrat politicians and Republican politicians you all love, like Ben Sass and Jeff Flake, where were you when they were putting the targets on the backs of everyday normal Americans who were voting for President Trump? Where was Jim Acosta then? Where was the media then? And as far as I'm concerned, when when it comes to this whole thing, as far as I'm concerned, they they do not work in in favor of the American people. And if you are not working in favor of the American people, you are an enemy of the people. And I believe that to be the case. Do I want them to be physically attacked? No. When Jim Acosta does his live shot, should people say CNN sucks? Yeah. 
They should. Because CNN does suck. And Jim Acosta is an enemy of the Trump administration. And and CNN and others have completely looked the other way as Trump supporters have been physically attacked and have been uh, – we just had another example of a, of a Trump's uh, – Steve Scalise was threatened again by, by a left-wing loon, was threatened again. This is the same guy who was almost shot to death by a liberal with a gun who went to that baseball field. You would think that would be the lead story, that another that Republican Congressman Steve Scalise was again, his life was threatened again. I guarantee you, if that were Maxine Waters, that'd be a lead story, but it's not. So you know what? Suck it up. Stop being an enemy of the people, and we'll stop calling you an enemy of the people. It's that simple. Stop facilitating attacks on everyday Americans who are supporting President Trump. We had another example of a woman who uh, broke the windows out of a car because it had a Trump sticker on it. So, you know, excuse me, but I'm, I'm not – I don't have the, the, the sympathies that you think you have. Now, Sean Hannity did something that was inexplicable the other uh, – last night on this thing. He was- All right, this is not the first time this happened. And after what you just saw, Jim Acosta shared his fear of Trump supporters, and he tweeted out, quote, just a sample of the sad scene we faced at the Trump rally in Tampa. I am very worried that the hostility whipped up by Trump and some in conservative media will result in somebody getting hurt. We should not treat our fellow Americans this way. The press is not the enemy. Jim, I'm a pretty prominent conservative in the country. Let me say this clearly and loudly. I want every journalist in this country, everyone, I don't care who you work for, to be safe. I mean, I get it, Sean. I mean, you're not, it's not exactly going out on a limb. No one, no one who is criticizing the media and, and, and me who will call them the enemy, no one is calling for them to be physically harmed. I mean, it's a red herring. That's, that's baloney, but anyway. I'll tell you right now, I will be the first person to come to your defense if I'm there and anyone ever dares lay a hand on you. Yeah, I mean, who wouldn't? I mean, if you see another American, regardless of what they are doing, uh, being physically attacked, then of course you you would come to their defense. So Sean's not not necessarily doing any groundbreaking mm-hmm. stuff there. I wish though that he had turned this into a okay, Jim, I'll look out for you, but why don't you all look out for other Americans who are being attacked on a regular basis because they support President Trump? Right. Th- then then we'll be able to talk more about. Uh, about defending you and being careful with things. But no one is advocating uh, physical attacks on on Jim Acosta. No. But I'm more than happy to hear them say CNN sucks when he's doing his live shots. That's just the way of the world here. Well, I don't see why that's a big deal when Sarah Sanders is responding. And if you listen to the background, it's not just him. Everybody is jumping in and interrupting and yelling at her. Everybody. Yeah. Yeah. She's unreal. She is a beast. She is. She, she she's great. is. I mean, oh. that's why she drives people crazy because she's she's so strong and she and she holds herself uh, so with such poise mm. and grace. And she's got that little southern type of moxie. She's got that moxie. is fantastic. 
And see, the problem is if the media weren't so hypocritical, like if the media didn't just simply look the other way when Trump supporters were attacked or look the other way, for instance, when the New York Times hires a, a racist person, but she's racist against white people. Do you see this story? The New York Times announced that they had hired this woman, Sarah Jong, G-E-O-N-G, to join their editorial board, okay? Now, she previously wrote for The Verge and authored The Internet of Garbage, a book about online harassment and free speech. So, of course, after Jong's hire, oh, shoot, it's 730. I I can't see. Okay, and it's seven thirty. I gotta call Jim Talent. But uh, anyway, they she hates white people and and particularly white men. And she's on Twitter stating that as a matter of fact, mm-hmm. it's pretty unbelievable. Yep. And, and and she is on the New York Times editorial board. Now, if this were a person who hated black people or hated this or that, that. Uh, of course, it would be big news, but right. this is why we're frustrated. This is why it's hard for us to sympathize with individuals who whine about this and whine about that and coming under attack or whine about just basic criticism because at that point, you know, we see every day the hypocrisy, whether it be CNN overlooking attacks on Trump supporters or the New York Times overlooking the fact that a person joining their editorial board hates white people. Is it okay to hate white people but not to hate uh, black people? I, 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 don't, I don't get it. Let me get Jim Talent here for a second here. I forgot. I, forgot, I didn't uh, hear. Someday when I'm big, you guys won't have to subject yourself to this kind of stuff. Personal assistant. <laughs> I like this. People like this, though, you know? You're just getting... You're, listen, we're not pretending to be anything, but we're not here, you know? It's just kind of like, okay, I'm on Skype, and we're going to give Jim a call. Although the other day when I had Judge Napolitano on, it was a different story because I called his guy Gary, and, and normally if you have a producer, they call, they call Gary, hat patches in Judge, blah, 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 but then I'm like, you're on right now. <laughs> or Pam Geller wanted me to call her back. On a different line, mm-hmm. and she almost proceeded to tell me the, the phone line, like, phone number on the air. I'm like, wait, wait, wait! <laughs> Don't do that. See what Jim's Hello. Hi, Jim Talent. How are you, buddy? Well, I'm fine, Jamie. And how are you on this fine Friday morning? Did you make your flight? Oh. I did. Good for you. The American uh, air transportation system, particularly between here and Washington, has become uh, uh, a root of bitterness for me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I know know you were looking for uh, uh, words, but yes. Uh, You know why? Uh, Because last yesterday was a bad day in particular for people going to the East Coast. And Uh now I had a niece who was supposed to fly back to New York yesterday and another friend actually who was going to New York too. And both of their flights were canceled uh, going to New York. Now they claimed when, when pressed that there was a swath of 
turbulence, like a strip of turbulence going down from the north to the to the south, and, and that it was too much for airplanes to go through. And there yeah, people- and I try to, as you know, I try to be fair, even when my uh, personal feelings are engaged. And yesterday, it was largely weather-driven, from what I could tell. And there really isn't anything they can do about that. But somehow, it always seems to result in me hanging around airports for hours and being told contradictory things, uh, so you can't possibly plan what you're trying to do. And I get, again, much of that they may not be able to do anything about, but uh, sometimes they can. And we could spend the whole interview talking about this, Jamie, and I have considerable experience with it going back 25 years. Well, so, so do you think it's true? Uh, that 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 was the case, or did they? Or were they were they just not? Were they just not prepared, or they just can't? I mean, I because I, I don't know what I can't remember what airline it was. It was I might have been Southwest, and Southwest generally they're pretty good, right? Yeah, uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah, huh? I mean, I don't know. I I haven't researched it. You know, it's not only no anecdotally. Uh, generally, they're pretty good. Yeah, and I and I've always found the agents and the people working for them to be, uh, you know, very service oriented and competent. And, uh, that says something about the culture of the company. That's very good. You know, Jamie, you said, is it, was it something they couldn't do anything about or was it something else? And the answer I think in most cases is yes. And to both. In other words, it's, there's usually something triggering it that, that was beyond the control of the people in that circumstance. But it's also true that, as in other areas of our infrastructure, uh, we've just we've not been thoughtful or responsible for a generation, and so people are reaping now the downsides of that. Um, you know, this is I, I'll launch into a broader subject. This is an inflection point for the idea, this moment in time here, uh, for the whole model of representative government because it needs a, a major reform. You know, what Lincoln might have called the new birth of freedom. And part of that is its leaders need to summon up the ability to, to identify and overcome the real challenges that it is presenting for, it, for people. I mean, on a real level for people, everything from the structural debt, which is, you know, enormous all throughout the democracies, um, you know, the failure to develop a foreign policy uh, that is comprehensive and will deal with the 21st century threats, the failure to tend to our defenses, which I write and talk about all the time, the alienation of the elites in general from the people, that, that is, that's beyond question. You can argue, you know, who's responsible, what exactly caused it, et cetera, but there's a gigantic lack of faith in um, among the people in our influencers, and this goes across the political spectrum. Yeah, um, it's a huge problem when the leaders of a society, not just those in, in government. As a matter of fact, I, I might argue that those in government are uh, don't yell at me, but are, are slightly less um, distrusted than those in some other institutions. Yeah. Well, um, yes. Yeah, I mean, like, uh, nobody trusts the press now. No. I mean, I mean, you go on the left, they don't either. Now, I would, I would say their reasoning about why is wrong, but 
but it, it gets them to the same place. And it's a huge problem, and the elites don't seem, in many cases, don't seem to care. I think the, the politicals care a little more because they have to. They have to run for election. Yeah. And, um, you know, the idea of a safe seat isn't as safe as it used to be. Ask Joe Crowley. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, and and I think that's the one thing I do have to say about this Ocasio-Cortez and and this phenomenon regarding uh, her – uh, this this new socialist and Gia Valenti, by the way, uh, is is in the studio with me too, Jimmy. Just want to let you know. Uh, oh, but, good, yeah, great. So, I I was just saying that that I I was because the left and Democrats kind of have their own swamp, and, and more power to them. Even though I think socialism is the wrong way to go, and I don't agree with anything they say. But there's, they're picking up on what we picked up on heading into 2016, and there is a swamp on the Republican side, and we were after that uh, in the bureaucracy, everything else. And I think they're just now noticing, too, that there are a lot of people who just are around because they're just, they've just been around, and, and uh, they get lazy. They don't feel like they have to address any issues. And so sometimes, like as it was with President Trump, sometimes people who come in and and speak radically, even though I don't believe that President Trump was speaking radically per se, but he was speaking off a grid that other politicians didn't go and uh, to the normal average American, and he saw a lot of success with that. So it's no surprise that the Democrats and the left are experiencing that same thing where people like Crowley, who just thought he was God's gift to the Democratic Party, uh, were on their way. But the fact of the matter is you've got to earn what you, what you have. Yeah, yeah. And, I, you know, I, I served with Crowley. I haven't spoken to him, and I haven't spoken to my New York friends, the, the other people I served with about what happened. But, you know, from the outside... Uh, I don't think either side of, of influencers is reading it correctly. My guess is that Joe got lazy. Now, again, I I should be careful because I'm, I'm sure he's still hurting, and I can relate to it. Okay, but yeah, I mean, but we you have worked to discuss these things. Yeah, but you busted so your rear end is, in that election with Claire. Oh, I did. Yeah, I did. I mean, he, and and in office. I mean, I yeah. did a lot of things that you can criticize, but but. I, I work to stay close to people. Oh yeah. Uh, it was part of the job I liked, you know, and I, but I, uh, that was my read on it. I don't think it was about now. Sure. Uh, there's a, there's, it's a sort of a trendy, um, affection for socialism, which is never defined among certain parts of the democratic base today. Um, you know, if you defined it technically, uh, a lot of them wouldn't support it and said to them, you know, but I think what it represented was they saw this young person who seemed enthusiastic and idealistic and probably worked very hard and thought, you know, I'm going to get somebody who at least sounds like she cares what I think and, and, you know, wants to represent me and is talking about the problems I care about. It's like uh, what happened to Eric Cantor, who is a friend in Virginia. Yeah. What, about six years ago? Um, and Eric was, in terms of his Washington activities, a good congressman. Now, again, I don't agree with Eric about everything, but... And, and he got caught with this. And, um, you know, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's an example of what we're discussing. Um, and you're absolutely right. It's been on the left for some time. Um, I think Obama's presidency sort of 
suppressed it. But uh, that's what Sanders' candidacy was. I mean, Bernie yeah. was more honest about what he believed and uh, was at least talking about problems people cared about. And there was a tremendous popular support for him, which was suppressed by the leaders of the Democratic Party and in many and, and to some extent by by um, biasing the rules in her favor. Um, and, I, you know, I'm not the one saying this. It's all over the websites, the left wing websites of the time. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there's this there's all these challenges in and together they add up. Yeah. You know, the what people would call an existential challenge to this model of liberal democracy, which, to which I am I am down to my toes committed. And um, what needs to happen is is the people who are responsible on, on both sides. I'm not talking about what they believe about political issues, but people who are devoted to this idea uh, need to ask themselves, how can we get together and put together solutions that are responsive and discuss them and enact them in a way that does credit to the system. And that's going to be risky at the beginning because there are, whoever does that and either side is really going to get attacked for it. But I think if you stick with it and you can get a critical mass of people, uh, we can come through this. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, it, it's, know, it's go ahead. Well, I have to tell you, you know, to, to your point, And of course I don't want to give, I, I don't, I don't agree with Bernie Sanders at all, but I remember during the election uh, and, and I went to I took Aiden, my youngest son, to the Trump rally. And then actually the next day I took him to go see a Bernie Sanders rally <laughs> because I, I wanted him to I wanted him to see, uh, you know, political energy on the other side, you know. And, and there was, for instance, no political energy for Hillary Clinton, by the way. She appeared in St. Louis and hardly anybody was there. But, boy, I went to this rally. It was in South County. And these people were very enthusiastic about Bernie Sanders. And I was thinking to myself, boy, thank goodness uh, that we're, we're, we're going to rely, it turns out, on a Democrat establishment to sneak through here with Donald Trump, because if, if anybody caught on to this, we'd be in trouble. But unfortunately, uh, well, fortunately for us and unfortunately for them, nobody really caught on. But the enthusiasm level for Bernie Sanders and these were, you know, I, I was there at the rally. These were not a bunch of like kooks or, you know, weirdos or I mean, everybody seemed to be fairly regular people. Uh, who just happened to have a different philosophy, but boy, if, if they were able to coalesce that Bernie Sanders energy, that could have been very formidable. Uh, Bernie Sanders wasn't the greatest candidate, but nonetheless, when he was talking about these people were hugely enthusiastic about, it. so watch yeah, out. Bernie's a true believer and he is sincere, which uh, in the, in the dynamics of legislative bodies allows him to get away with a lot of this stuff. Uh, and I mean that in a good way. I mean, if, 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 if your colleagues know you're sincere, that you care about, you know, what you believe and you're doing things for that reason, they'll put up with a lot. I could give you a lot of stories, uh, and some of them involving me, uh, where I did things that normally people would get very, very huffy about, but it was, it was because I was doing it on behalf of something that I really cared about and that mattered to real people. Okay. So, 
and that's good that you get a pass for that. Bernie's problem is, as my old friend Bill Emerson used to say, <clears throat> experience has just gone through him without stopping. Okay, so <laughs> it's like, yeah, yeah. Now, if you want me, I'll tell you, I'll tell you a story <clears throat> about a guy, a Democrat who was a, is a good friend of mine, Neil Abercrombie, who represented Honolulu and subsequently became governor of Hawaii. And we were debating a bill which, among other things, cut the deductions for business meals and expenses by 50%. Okay, so, you know, that would apply to, uh, to you know, taking the client out to lunch or a lot of convention expenses. Well, Neil represented Honolulu, right? And tourism is big in Honolulu. And this was really bad for Honolulu. So Neil, to his credit, got up and gave a great speech on the house floor. And he said, look, he said, either a business expense is an ordinary necessary, a reasonable business expense, or it's not right. Either a particular expenditure is, or it isn't. If it is, the deduction should be a hundred percent because we tax the net here, not the gross, right? For businesses. He said, if it's not a business expense, it should be zero. He said, by making it 50%, we have chosen the one course, which must be wrong. <laughs> I thought it was brilliant. And he got down, he, he, he left the well, which is where you give a speech at the house. And I went up to him and I said, Neil, in this area, you see the light so clearly. Why is it that everywhere else you're in darkness? <laughs> He's a liberal Democrat. <laughs> we had a good laugh over that. So my point here. More broadly, and I, you know, people used to say, used to say about me, and I, you know, when the Post would write something semi good about me, they would call me a policy wonk. When you actually talk about what you can actually do about an actual problem, a lot of this personal and partisan viciousness goes away. So people actually have to think yes. at that point. And this is why this was something that Bill Clinton was good at because he liked policy. And so you get in conversations with him and you talk about what the welfare bill is actually going to do to actual people. And then people start contributing some good ideas and thoughtful ideas, at least from their philosophical perspective. And that's when you get a deal, quote unquote, that can be a pretty good deal. Yeah. And so let's, let's, for example, the good thing, it's, it's, to me, it's unquestionably good. What Trump has done with trade is he has sparked a discussion to the extent you can have one in Washington today about what you, you know, how trade ought to be used as a tool of national influence in dealing with countries like China. And also a discussion about, you know, what constitutes a fair international free trading system and what role ought the United States to play in such a system. It's very healthy. And if you actually look at what Democrats have said on this issue, yeah, they've been much more restrained. So, and this is something the president obviously cares about personally. It's been a consistent theme in what he's been talking about for a long time. And, and presidents tend to do very well in those areas. So, I'm going down rabbit holes. Which no, is, but I know wait, the here, pain here, when you interview me, but no, no. Here's what I want to ask you though, because because I, 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 you, you yeah. mentioned this a little bit ago regarding your your own energy 
And I remember when I was a uh, young reporter uh, at Channel 4 and you were a young upstart person running for Congress. Uh, and, and you were a very energetic, accessible congressman, which I always appreciated it from a reporter end. Uh, and you were also, oh, even when you ran for Senate, you, you were – and one of the reasons why you won that seat is because you were visible in places where Republicans traditionally had not been visible. So, for instance, in the city of St. Louis, people knew who Jim Talent was. And and that was a really cool thing because for a lot of us who were conservative Republicans, it was great to see somebody who actually was able to connect with people, a Republican who could connect with people in the inner city. And 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 so I'm going to ask you, for instance, what's happening in Chicago right now is pretty crazy. A lot of these black leaders now in Chicago are demanding that Rahm Emanuel resign and, and are actually – because of the violence over there, and I'm not quite sure it's Rahm Emanuel's fault, but let's face it, uh, the, there, when you are the mayor of a town where uh, there's a massacre every weekend, if you total it all up, something needs to be done, whether it be policing, what have you. So they go in, and this one pastor is out there, and he's on TV, and he goes, you know what, let me tell you something, this is not a Trump-free zone. We, we, we would more than be, ha- be happy for President Trump to ride in here with the National Guard, and we're waiting. And you know what? President Trump ought to do that. And, and so since you know a little bit about the inner city and how this kind of stuff works, would you say this should be – this is an opportunity? Now, I've always believed that black people have the same kind of desires as white people. I don't believe that there's a different cl- – there should, there's necessarily a different approach because if the economy is doing great, everybody benefits. But still, what do you think about this prospect of President Trump kind of uh, going in and, and making a statement in the inner city? Yeah, I think it's great. I mean, his willingness to do it. I mean, the fact that he's not afraid to do that, to, to, to do that sort of thing is, I think, very important. And it, it has to be followed up on, and it, it is by a lot of the departments in his, in his administration. I don't think they're talking enough about it, but in part because they can't get through the din. You know, everything is all like Mueller all the time or something. And again, that's, I just have to say a lot of it is the press, and we can talk about what their real problems are if you want, in my opinion. But there's a broader issue here, which I think Trump gets. Okay, so urban areas particularly, well, all urban areas, they do need government to do what it is supposed to do. And in urban areas, it needs to be local government, especially needs to be very active. You know, the, the Rand Paul model, the libertarian model, and the libertarians would argue with me about this because they, but, but the libertarian impulse, if you will, is not as appropriate for places like that. I mean, they need policing. They need good schools. They need sound um, zoning policies so that you get neighborhoods that, you know, that are both um, structured properly to meet the needs of the people, but also where there's plenty of freedom so that you can get business investment. You know, there's a whole lot of things. They need good, strong, uh, and properly designed 
uh, social welfare systems. Okay, because they have a lot of problems with that. <clears throat> and that is, those things are difficult. You have to have people who have a heart for doing them and are smart enough and secure enough to be willing to consider different ideas. This is why people like, you know, there's a certain brand of, of what we might call liberal Republicans who tend to do pretty well when they become mayor. I mean, Giuliani was an ass, one yeah. of those. Uh, Bloomberg, now I disagreed with Bloomberg about a lot of his silly nanny stuff and his yeah. position on the Second Amendment is just, I yes. mean, he just is impervious. He's uh, another case of experience not affecting anybody. But if you look at other kinds of issues, which are, which frankly are more meaningful to people on a day-to-day basis in the urban areas, Bloomberg was pretty good. And, um, and this is, Emmanuel has not brought that. I mean, he is, he's wheeled and dealed with the big shots. Everybody suspects there's a lot of corruption. I'd be shocked if it wasn't true. And, um, and they're getting sick of it. And I think that message, that's what I always tried to bring. I'm not saying I was the most effective, but as good as Trump is in terms of, you know, publicizing it. I didn't have social media either, which is a, if it's used properly, it's a really good thing. But yes, I mean, and there is this opening because nobody is representing the actual needs of these constituencies, right? So everybody is trying to use them for their broader political agendas that, that often don't have anything to do with the real issues affecting them. Well, and, so, and Rahm Emanuel seems to have this kind of uh, Democratic machine, this Clinton-esque stink to him that uh, that is known for only – relying on utilizing blacks as a a means of getting elected as they they love them as a voting block they love to scare them about confederate statues but they really don't do anything constructively for the black community well because the underlying motive there is to get a community to um to support you or to use uh the power that they offer you to support a broader agenda that generally is doesn't have anything to do with things that they really care about and often is, is um, uh, contradicts or hurts that agenda, right? Instead of saying, what is it, asking yourself and asking them, what is it you need? What is it that would really make a difference for you that is appropriate for government to do? Because there are some things that are not appropriate for government to do. And, and, you, and you need to be, and particularly in personal interactions, you need to be clear about that. Uh, to people, uh, you can't present the government as if it was some kind of, you know, savior riding in and you elect the right mayor and your life is going to be perfect. It right. doesn't work that way. I mean, uh, uh, I used to, when I, I should use the line more, but I, when I ran for governor in particular, I said to people, look, I'm running for governor. I'm not running for dictator. Okay. You have a lot to say about how your life turns out. And no matter how you elect, who you elect as governor, that's going to be true. Well, and let's so, look at this way. Yeah, if you take drugs and do a lot of things that are very destructional or, and uh, dysfunctional, and, and I may understand why in the context of your life you're tempted to do that. But if you do that, you're going to have problems. It doesn't matter who the governor is, right? Well, why wouldn't you, so, just, why wouldn't you just simply put uh, this, this little gauge to it and say if in Chicago every weekend there was a truck bomb – that was set off by a Muslim terrorist that killed 14 people, what do you think would be going on? You would have, 
you would definitely have well you'd probably have the US army down there but i'm just saying you know instead what we're doing is is we're just allowing these individual sacrifices to the murder gods every weekend there in chicago when in fact this is this is a this is a crisis i mean when you have that many deaths if, if that were a terrorist this would be the number one concern of Americans. But instead, it's just a bunch of black people, and apparently no one cares. It's like that's infuriating. Yeah, they don't. I used to say this, Jamie. They, they care in the sense, people in Washington. Boy, this is a. You, you push a lot of my buttons. They care in the sense that if they could snap their fingers and make life better for people on the south side of Chicago, they'd do it. They're not sitting around thinking we want life to be terrible for them, but they don't care in the only sense in which caring matters as a moral matter, which is, are they willing to put something they care about at risk in order to help those people? Right. I, 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 and, and what politicians care about is generally speaking, their own political fortune. So are they willing to put that at risk? Are they willing to stand up as Floyd Flake did? Floyd was a congressman from Queens, a great, great man, a pastor also of a church there, and be the only person, the only Democrat on the floor of the House to speak up in favor of school choice because he knew the difference it would make for his constituents because he, in his church, I mean, he started a school. I mean, he was, he was a leader in that for years and years. He was willing to put something at risk. And it's and on the Republican side, look, are, are you willing to look at the budget? Because we do have to spend some money. I don't think money is primarily the answer, but but you have to leave room in in your you can't just think about saving all the revenue to fund the tax cuts. OK, so if you're willing to put something at risk to help people, that means you really care about something you care about. Now, you, you you're you're pointing out the policing issue and you are correct. Heather McDonald has written about this. Police services are an essential service in poor neighborhoods because if you don't have security on the streets, and I, I know this, I mean, I, I visited all these community renewal sites all over the country with Floyd and JC Watts, and they all said the same thing. If you don't have security on the street, you can't do anything else. You can't deal with substance abuse. You can't deal with the education issues. You can't deal with business investment. If people aren't safe and <clears throat> there's a lot of things we need to do, particularly longer term for that, that are not police oriented. And the police would be the first to tell you that I saw that when I ran for governor, Jamie, I considered making a non law enforcement person, the director of the department of public safety, if I got elected. And, and that's a subject of a whole interview about why I considered that. But in the short term, you have to have effective street policing. And that means, the police have to be aggressive in seeking out violent crime in its incipient stages and stopping it. So now you, you balance that out with a very strong community policing ethic where they get to know the good local leaders and uh, you get bonds of trust. That is what uh, Giuliani and his police commissioner did in New York, and it worked. And uh, what Ron did was you know, cover up the Laquan McDonald killing as long as he could. And then when it came out, turn around and just blame the police and say the policing is the problem. Um, you know, aggressive community policing is the problem. And so the police have reacted by saying, look, we're, you know, if you're, we're going to lose our careers 
every time we stop somebody who we have reason to believe may be about to commit a crime, we're just going to pull in our horns. Yeah. And and that's what they've done. And, and, and Heather McDonald's written about it, and she's right. Yeah, well, and, and then you have people like Claire McCaskill demanding hearings because Ferguson has a Humvee. And it's like, wait a second here. And, the, and again, once again, there's another white liberal who, again, has, does not know the pulse of regular people who have children who have to sleep below windowsills every night because of gunfire coming through their windows. And, 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 and now suddenly there's a revolt in Chicago, which I'm glad to see, because these people are also talking about the, the focus on immigration. They're like saying Rahm Emanuel is more concerned about the welfare of people who aren't even citizens here with his sanctuary city baloney than he is about – uh, citizens who, who basically, as they point out, built, they said built this country who are dying by the dozens every weekend. And, and that's a real issue. I mean, you've got Nancy Pelosi. I mean, I'll tell you one thing. You've got, you got people who are illegals and, and, and the fact that they're being detained at the border and it just so happens they're in detention facilities and it just so happens parents who don't care about their children enough uh, to, to, to not commit a crime with them then are separated, that becomes the lead story for five days in this country when there are uh, 10-year-olds in Chicago getting shot to death and nobody's paying one ounce of attention. And, it, and, it's, and it's starting to really frustrate the black community and I think should start really frustrating, especially now. And I'm not saying we ought to be opportunists, but a good, strong, pro-law enforcement pro-law and order conservative, uh, a like person like President Trump ought to pop in there and just arrive right at the doorstep with the, with the cavalry. Say, so I, I agree. I think there's a moment now to engage. Now, I will say this, and I, and I, and I used to say this a lot in private conversations, uh, because I talk with people, and they would tell me, uh, look, uh, one of the things we like about you is that you're here a lot. And you listen. And I mean, forget about Republican or Democrat. There aren't many people who do that. Now, there are some state representatives, some, I mean, I could name some on both sides who do that. I don't want to be, I don't want to claim like I was the only one. One of the things I used to say to them is, look, I, I really, I want to engage. I want to solve these problems. And I don't want this to become something political because if it's political, if the primary motivation behind it is political. I mean, I'd love to benefit politically from it. They're hiding from people. I'd love to get more votes. But if the primary reason for it is political, it will and it should fail. And so this is, this is what I'd like to see the president do if he wants to. I mean, he has so many things to do. And this is the problem with the presidency. Where, how do you prioritize your time? Because at any given time, there are 10 things you would love to be doing you can't do. You, you just don't have the time. But is to call people, you know, from the relevant departments together and say, we're going to put together an agenda and we're going to do it in part by listening to people. And it's going to be a long-term agenda. And I want you guys to discipline yourself to understand the purpose of this is not primarily to benefit me politically. Okay. Now he will benefit, I think if he does this, but that's not the primary purpose of it. Cause if it, it comes across that way to people, voters are very good at smelling that out. I mean, they ought to be. They got oh, yeah. enough experience, yeah. right? Yeah. So you, you got to say to people is it's our job. We, I mean, it's our job 
to where it's appropriate for the government to do it, and that's where liberals and conservatives can legitimately disagree, but to, to make the government operate in a way that represents everybody, and, uh, and in, including people who are more powerless. And if you do that, what you find with the local leaders who are, who are involved, I mean, the good ones, and there are many of them who are really trying to solve these problems, is that they're pretty forgiving about whether you're coming from the left or right if you're trying to deal with the actual problems. Because the solutions really, particularly for that set of problems, borrows from both um, streams of, you know, both conservative and liberal streams of thinking. It really does. Um, and there's a lot that we could do. And once in a while, you see somebody doing it and you see the impact that it has. Again, I'll mention New York, which, I mean, was every bit as bad as Chicago maybe worse, uh, when Rudy took over, I give Rudy enormous credit. I've talked with him about this. Um, now of course he began for other reasons and, but anyway, I mean, he's, but I mean, he really was a good mayor and some of these problems are going to be very difficult. Problems of urban education, for example, really difficult. Others are relatively easy with a sustained effort. I mean, I, let me easy in the sense, and I'm, relatively confident that you can produce a good result within a fairly short period of time. And the policing is one of them. Yeah. Well, you, you, yeah. So Jimmy, I will remind you then, and and, and we'll close with this. I'll never forget watching the fall of Romania and watch out here, buddy. You better better put your seatbelt on and watching Ceausescu and his dumb wife, looking out from this balcony at all these people out there. And Ceausescu was announcing that he was going to be giving everybody in Romania a raise because everybody was uh, – that was because he was trying to suck up to them because he knew there was growing dissatisfaction with his government. And I'll never forget the look on his face, and you can go to YouTube and find it, and, and you could the, – the moment – uh, that Ceausescu realizes that he's done and he's looking out over the the group of Romanians and he is ashen-faced and stunned that they are basically revolting and yelling at him after all he apparently in his mind had done for them and it wasn't but 10 minutes later that that dude was on a helicopter on the roof of that palace flying away in fear of his life, which eventually did catch up to him. And it reminds me of, uh, symbolically, of the Democrats now who suddenly are, are, and and this thing in Chicago is going to bubble up on them and catch up to them, and the elections will too, is suddenly they're looking over at the crowd, and in this case it's black people, and they're saying, wait, and these are white liberals, and they're like, wait a minute, we gave you the first black president. We put we we gave you the first African American museum at the Smithsonian. We took the Confederate statue out of Forest Park. What's the matter? Why are you all so unhappy? And it's because, really, in reality, they've done nothing fundamentally for the black community, and they've run out of ways to try to stick the pacifier in their mouths. It's not working anymore. And eventually, hopefully, we're going to get to a point where these guys are running for their helicopters and flying away because that's what they're going, to, they're going to ultimately have to do. Because right now, as you point out, the black community is on to these people, and it's not going to be pretty for them in the end. 
Well, we need a corrective in our political system. Uh, I see signs of it, which is very encouraging. We need good leaders to move it in a direction that's going to result in something better. I cannot let pass your comparison of Democrats, uh, many of whom are my friends, to Nicholas Ceausescu, uh, <laughs> who, who got exactly what he deserved. I'm bloodthirsty enough to like it when people like that get it in the neck, whether it's him or Saddam Hussein. What a shame that Fidel Castro died in peace, right? Uh, so that analogy, Jamie, is, uh, is not the right one. But the idea that um, a system that does not represent in a, in a reasonably honest way, look, I'm a politician. I don't expect, it's not the same as becoming a minister or, or a clergy or something like that, right? But in a reasonably honest way, represents aspirations of all parts of the people you're supposed to be representing. A system that doesn't do that does, in the end, get turned out and uh, in, a, in a democracy sooner rather than later. I think we're seeing this all through the Western world. I don't know where it's going to go. And, and we should, uh, you know, those of us who, who have identified the problem should be wary because it could get better or it could get worse. Um, but the change I think is coming and much more broadly, even than you're talking about. Yeah. Well, look at what's happening in Europe, for example, and what's happening to Merkel now. And this is deserved. This is another subject you mentioned immigration before, but I can't imagine what in the world led that woman to make the decisions she made about those refugees. I'm opening up a new subject at the end of the interview, but what in the world did she think was going to happen? Yeah. And to, to inflict that on your people after they have put you in a position where you are responsible for stewarding their affairs. And they trusted her, too. That's what I mean. They believed her. And the foolishness of that was criminal. Yeah. I, I mean, I look, I wouldn't if I was in the government in a national security position, I wouldn't be saying this because I, I would have to represent the interests of the United States. And you don't say this about an ally. But, I mean, it was. And they're going to have to be dealing with this. And the implications of this were very serious. So, we're, you know, we're seeing this all throughout. And, and on the right, we do recognize this far better than they do on the left. And um, I think that's because the influencers, particularly outside of government, are almost all on the left. Yeah. And they, they can't confront the exhaustion of their agenda. They're, they're, they're bankrupt in terms of their actual agenda to help people, and they can't confront that. And so they're just basically in denial. They try and take it out on Trump and other people, but the, but the problem is deep. And, um, you know, we need leaders yeah. who, who have the savvy and the courage, and it's hard. I mean, it's, I mean the courage is actually the easy part. I mean, the, the harder part is, is actually navigating your way through this. I'm right. You know, I don't want to say I'm hopeful, but I'm I'm looking for people to emerge. Um, I think somebody who does may catch a wave politically, and that's the point you're. Yeah, well, and I I hope that's the case. And and Jim Talent, we miss you in politics. I love the Angela Merkel uh, example. I mean, I I I recall right after the right after the election loss of Hillary Clinton, everybody kind of like we're we're clinging to the German flavored Hillary over there, saying that she's the next world leader. But that's not turning out to be the case. Oh but my we miss God! And, 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 and Jamie, I know you got to go, but and there was no. There was no minister in her government who sat at that table and said, <clears throat> Chancellor, this is nuts. 
I mean, I, you know, I've supported you. I'm part of your government. I respect you. I think your impulses in this may be good. This is crazy. There was no Churchill there who in the thirties spoke. That's really speaking truth to power. And so it wasn't just her failure. It was a whole government of people, you know, all highly educated, experienced in government who should have known better. Their names were on the door, Jamie. You know, yep. You, 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 when you have the authority, you have to accept the responsibility. And this is coming in the political system in Germany, and I think it's coming in a lot. And we are going to see it in the upcoming cycle on the left. I mean, you're going to see more of this populist uh, uprising, and it's understandable. They're going to try and focus it on Trump, and to some extent that will work. Yeah. But it's a deeper, deeper issue than that. All right, brother. Well, it's always great talking to you. Glad you got uh, on your airplane, and uh, we will uh, hopefully talk to you next week as well, man. It's very illuminating. Love talking to you. Wish you were back in politics, but uh, we like you right here, too. We now so. return you to the motion. Thank you, buddy. Always fun, my friend. Already always in progress. Fun. All right, buddy. Jim Talent, everybody. Good morning this morning, y'all. Coming up. Oh, you're going to love this. I do. I did find a potential, a potential Democrat candidate, female, who sounded like Trump before Trump even arrived. So you got to watch out for you. Talking about? And then also, by the way, speaking of politicians, how about? This is Kane uh, versus versus Triple H, and this is awesome because this is called the casket match. And so what happens is the the winner of the wrestling match, you're attempting to throw the other person into it, and you're a real casket. And they rolled a casket up, and one of the wrestlers came out and hopped out of the casket. But Kane is legendary, is a legendary WWE wrestler. I mean, he's like, he's seven feet tall and 345 pounds. And you know what? He is the new mayor of Knox County, Tennessee. Uh, yes, to some extent, I think that he's done a good job with the economy. I, I also uh, think that uh, the Trump effect is in full force all across the country at every, every level of government, and I think that really helped me. That's the same the guy who just was trying to throw. The mayor of Knox County, Tennessee. People are sick and tired of career politicians. Triple H into a casket 10 years ago. He's now the mayor of Knox County, Tennessee. He sounds pretty good, yeah, too. He, he so- I mean, he... First of all, these guys, this idea that somehow re- the wrestling industry is full of a bunch of meatheads is wrong. These guys are very smart right. entertainers, and they make a lot of money, 
and they're pretty damn good at what mm-hmm. they do. I'm not. I've never really been like a a bit huge wrestling fan, but uh, this is this is uh, Kane when he announced that he was running for mayor, but he he was in fact victorious. And this dude is now the mayor of Knox County, Tennessee. Uh, yes, to some extent, I think that he's done a good job with the economy. I, I also uh, think that uh, the Trump effect is in full force all across the country at every, every level of government. And I think that really helped me secure the Republican nomination for mayor of Knox County, Tennessee. People are sick and tired of career politicians. Yeah, okay. Now, uh, as you know... I'm I mean, Stuart Varney's like acting like this is a joke. Like the, the cane was, oh, well, okay. And then they showed a picture of Kane with his mask on, you know. I, and I don't think they were taking him very seriously. New York investment firm Alliance Bernstein recently announced that they're moving to Nashville, Tennessee, because of low taxes. Yes. Is uh, Knox County expecting uh, an exodus of people from high-tax New Jersey and New York? I think we are seeing that all across the Southeast. Uh, you know, we it just goes to prove that small government and low taxes work. They work for economic growth. Our- that's that's Kane, legendary WWE wrestler. Really great yeah. stuff. And you know what? It just goes to show you anybody. Uh, you know, people are in a mode now where. You know, I think I think they're in a mode now where they're looking for other answers and the perfect example of that was in fact president trump and the election of president trump and people are sick and tired of it and boy wait till you see when as you can see in chicago where the black community is kind of finally catching on and it's in Mm -hmm. chicago there's it's it's a full-on friggin revolt yep and president trump could take advantage of it by bringing him in now okay so here's Here's that woman I was talking about. So Hot Air has an interesting piece on this uh, woman named Marianne Williamson. I know who that is. You do? Isn't she an author? Yes. Yeah, I've read her. She's a new age author. Yeah, Return to Love. Oh, so you know about her. I've read her books, yeah. You have, huh? Oh, yeah. But I didn't know that's who you were talking about. Hmm. So are are you a new ageist? No. Okay. That was back in my theater New York days trying to, you know, find yourself in New York City with all your other theater friends so (laughs) when i was young really young there's this idea among some individuals that marianne williamson could be one (laughs) of the democrat (laughs) candidates for president i'm not kidding you that's hilarious well because so far they have their you know uh 13 people you know you have uh elizabeth warren you have Kirsten Gillibrand, uh, Cory Booker, Kamala Harris. You have, you know, there's a VP discussion about Eric Holder running. Uh, there's apparently the lawyer for stripper Stormy Daniels, Michael Avenetti, is he being listed as a potential candidate for president in 2020? Mm. I'm not kidding you. So there was a situation that where, well, Williamson is just kind of like, uh, you know, she's a, she she has run for office before, if you didn't know that. Mm -mm. I did not. She, in 2014, she was running for Henry Waxman's house seat. 
She spent $2 million on the race and only got 14,000 votes. She was in fourth place. And uh, here's what she said. When you've written 10 books and have six on the New York Times bestseller list, I have, and four have been number one, I think you have a right to be a member of Congress. (laughs) That's what she said. So She's a little nutty. Yeah. But she... There's a there's a video of her from one of her campaign messaging forays when she was running for Congress, and she's not she doesn't sound like completely whacked out. Hi, I'm Mary Ann Williamson, and I'm running for Congress. I'm running for the U.S. House of Representatives, California District 33. And she doesn't have like any crystals behind <laughs> her or any burning incense or anything. Sometimes people ask me, well, why are you doing this? And I think that I'm doing it for the same reason that so many millions of people around this country are expressing their frustration with the way things are. I feel like a government of the people, by the people, and for the people has become a government of a few of the people and by a few of the people and for a few of the people. And I- that doesn't sound wacky, does it? No. That's 2014. Okay. Four years ago. That sounds a little Trumpy. Mm-hmm. I think that if we are going to change the basic social contract between the American people and our government, that which was stated by Abraham Lincoln at Gettysburg Address, if we're going to change that contract, we need to have a very passionate conversation about it. You don't just mock the Gettysburg Address and not discuss it. We now have a situation which is very much a legalized system of corruption, a legalized system of bribery. And I think we need to face that fact. She's talking about the swamp. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Moneyed interests wield an influence over the functioning of our government that is so disproportionate to that which is wielded by the average citizen as to represent a kind of aristocratic system. You can call it a corporatocracy or plutocracy or an oligarchy. I don't think it matters what you call it, but it is a system in which major resources of our country have been siphoned off through banking policies, through trade policies, through tax policies. Who does that sound like? This is 2014. It's Trumpy. You want to hear it again? It is a system in which major resources of our country have been siphoned off through banking policies, through trade policies, through tax policies, decade after decade after decade, until these major material and immaterial resources are held basically in the hands of a very few. We don't do that in America. No, no, no. We repudiated an aristocracy 200 years ago, and I have the sense that we need to repudiate it again. So watch out for Marianne Williamson. On right on. Wow. Who so knew? I'm, I'm, I'm just saying, I, I'm not, I'm not, you know, saying because you go, I'm only a minute 48 into a nine minute thing. So it depends. You, sometimes I have been in situations like this and I, I like this. If you let a liberal talk long enough, they'll okay. eventually convince you they're not the right person. Mm-hmm. You you leave them on long enough, and their shelf life diminishes Mm -hmm. rapidly. So I haven't gone through the entire nine minutes of this. Right. And, you know, I was about to. 
because I was out at my pool preparing the show and suddenly it started to rain on me <laughs> out of nowhere. Had to cover the Jeep. And I had to cover the Jeep. You know, that's one thing about having a Jeep, which I love, but having a Jeep in St. Louis where you could take kind of the uh, the uh, top off of the Jeep, mm-hmm. you know, has its perils in St. Louis. For whatever reason, we uh, it's like Florida all of a sudden for us. It, it, we Out of nowhere, there's some storm that pops up. Mm-hmm. Like yesterday afternoon. That was crazy. I had to I had to scramble into my into into the a parking lot to put my roof back mm-hmm. on because it was I just, suddenly I'm like look up at the sky and there's black. this big fat black blob coming down. <laughs> <laughs> that yeah, that came on fast. Coming by the way from the north, which generally you know you right. can as long as you look out east and don't see anything, everything's fine. But this baby's like coming from the north. Hmm. Yeah, it came fast. And then I, I had to put it in there, put, put, put the roof on. And then last night, I'm just sitting there minding my own business, getting the show together. And I'll be damned if, if it just didn't start pouring. It didn't by me. Oh, it didn't? Mm-mm. Oh. Nope. Well, whatever that was, it was just kind of like, uh, it just came out of nowhere. Is it, is it, maybe it's, maybe it's global warming, you think? <laughs> It must be. Did you see the story yesterday about this red tide? And there's some red tide that's that that all these sea sea creatures are being killed by the red tide. And it's really like a it's a it's a configuration of a bunch of bacteria and all kinds of gross stuff. And so it's hurting. But anyway, they they that was like a that was big news, even though they can't prove necessarily that this is an example of man-made global warming or man-made this or man-made that. They still utilized it to get into their general stories about climate change. Because every time there's a storm or anytime there's something else, they go into this whole thing. And they call it cli- climate change now because they can't use global warming anymore because it's false. Right. So they call it climate change now. And this chick, Ann Thompson, who is uh, the chief environmental affairs reporter for NBC, just, uh, that's a cushy job. <laughs> and so the complaint is that – see, President Obama didn't want us to drive Jeeps. He wanted to make it impossible to have a Jeep or have an SUV. You have an SUV, right? I do. Uh, or a, you know, whatever it happens to be. So what he did was he, because they believe that somehow bigger cars are causing an environmental problem and causing storms or whatever and red tides. <laughs> so he put together, he's put together these fuel economy standards. I think it was like 50 miles to the gallon was going to be the requirement. Now, you basically have to make a car out of paper <laughs> to get 50 miles to the gallon. And, and uh, uh, paper and plastic, styrofoam. A water bottle. Yeah, right. <laughs> it, it, it's, it's just an impossible thing. It's kind of one of the reasons why, and you guys have heard me talk about this before, and I'm not going to try to um, – uh, I'm, I'm not going to bore you with the story I told you that one time about how I discovered in my Malibu – I got a I got a flat tire. That was on the same trip with the girls in Nashville. I got a flat tire 
and um, I'm whining, and I got two my baby girls in the back seat. My Malibu has a flat tire. I go back to get the spare, and there's no spare in there. There's just a can of squirtum <laughs> back there, like like tire flat squirtum, like it's like a big canister with the with uh-huh. the hose, and you're supposed to squirt it into your <laughs> flat tire, flat tire, and it suddenly makes your tire not flat anymore or whatever. But that doesn't help if your tire is it basically just has a, a rip in it or something mm-hmm. like that. I mean, it's this, this. I don't know what happened, but the tire just collapsed. And part of the reason why the tire collapsed, first of all, is because tires now wear faster and tires are suck more now because the material they use has to be confl- compliant with environmental regulations. And so now you, you wonder why your tires are wearing faster, why you keep having to buy new tires, and why you're getting flats all the time. It's because tires aren't made like they used to be made because these tire manufacturers have had to live up to these crazy environmental standards. So not only did my Malibu have a tire, tires on it, and these were good tires, by the way. These were expensive tires, but the tires are not as strong as they were 20 years ago. So not only do I, am I driving in Malibu with, a, with tires that suck because of environmental regulations, I also don't have a, 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 a spare tire in the back and instead have a canister of squirtum <laughs> because of environmental regulations. And, and that would be mileage standards. And I was talking to Skip Weber about it. He goes, well, the bottom line is that the, 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 the spare tires put weight on the car. And mm. so they decided to take the spare tire out and put this canister in there to reduce the weight of the Malibu to get better gas mileage, to, to comply with the mileage standards. And so they're cutting every corner they can to comply with the mileage standards. And, and he said that, you know, you take a spare tire out of the car and it probably saves you two miles to the gallon because of, of weight. That, that's what that, that, the philosophy is, or one mile to the gallon, whatever, it, because the weight isn't there anymore. So it's it's kind of like when you're, you know, on, in a balloon or something and you're unloading everything you can to get, you know, to get up in the air. That's what they're doing. They're, they're, they're just kind of cutting out, out all corners. So I'm screwed by environmental regulations because my tires suck and I got a flat easier. Then I got a flat easier and I couldn't fix it because I didn't have a spare and I can't squirt them that I didn't know how to use. And, and, and I didn't bother reading the directions because it looked pretty simple. I figured, well, I'll just put this in there and squirt it in there, and I'll be on my way. This, how, what, how much more complicated can this can of squirtum be? Were you successful? No. <laughs> it squirted all over me because it blew out, of the, uh, blew out of a hole uh. in the tire, and it was all over the place. And so by that time, I had already exhausted all my uh, – Squirts <laughs> from the squirtum can. So I had to basically be, uh, I, I got home by being towed all the way to St. Louis. You're kidding. I'm not kidding you. Me and the two girls were in the front seat of a tow truck, and my Malibu was towed back back to a, to a lot in Columbia, Illinois. Wow. How far? 
It was uh, well. Uh, well, thankfully, thankfully, I was almost home, so I was kind of in. Uh, well, you were coming back. Yeah, I was coming back, so I was basically, you know, an hour and a half away okay. from St. Louis. You so, were probably in Nashville, Illinois. Uh, somewhere, in, actually, you know what? I was in the place. You know what? I think I was because I was in. I was like a few miles away from the place where they make tires. <laughs> There's a tire manufacturing company in Nashville, I think. <laughs> so I could have, I could have probably walked to the lot and just taken a couple tires mm-hmm. out of there, but it was closed because it was a Sunday. Oh, so okay. it's towed all the way back. Wow. So anyway, now uh, the M- M- NBC and MSNBC decided they were going to do a story on how god awful President Trump is for rolling back the mileage standards. And, she, and, and listen to what she has to say about it. California Governor Jerry Brown tweeted this morning, says we will fight this stupid idea in every way possible. Nineteen attorneys general around the country are promising to sue the Trump administration over this. So we are about to see an environmental civil war in wow. this country over these rollbacks. So what they're doing is that the EPA is telling states that they can't individually increase their mileage standards. So some like California has a different mileage standards on its car than let's say Missouri would. Right. So uh, the EPA is is saying we're not going to let you do that anymore, and and these enviro nuts in California are all freaking out. Trump is again taking direct aim at his predecessor's legacy, launching a direct attack against key Obama initiatives. The Trump administration today moving to reverse federal fuel economy standards. The Obama administration put these standards in place in order to increase fuel efficiency to reduce the impact of climate change. Yeah, we, we kind of know that already, Anne. And we despise Obozo for it. And so by stopping um, the, the increase in fuel efficiency standards at 2020 today, in effect, in effect, the Trump administration has set off an environmental civil war in this country. California, um, is, Governor Jerry Brown says he will do everything to fight what he called this stupidity on every level. How do you think Ann Thompson feels about this story? I mean, by the way, she's a reporter, right? She's the environmental affairs reporter for NBC, and she's basically defending Obama administration mileage standards initiatives on her own. She's basically editorializing and telling us that Trump is a mean guy and this is going to be a civil war. And I say bring it on because mileage standards are not only going to – the increase in my, are going to increase the the cost of cars and it's going to create more – mayhem like i just explained to you on the roads <laughs> where your tires are going to crap out on you again i wasn't happy about not having a spare though I, I and the problem is i didn't really know that i didn't have one and you know how to change a tire I oh yeah i don't i should learn that you should i really should they don't teach those things in school anymore well it's not that difficult <laughs> i know I just – I've never learned. I was an only child that was yeah, taken care of. Right. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, and, and, and in terms of uh, changing tires isn't that difficult. It's, it's, it's actually more dangerous than anything else because it, it, it just is 
getting it up on the side of the road, road right and yeah and and putting a jack in there and, and even if i knew how jack. to change a tire if i were on the highway i'm still calling for help you're not <laughs> right, going to see exactly. me laying out there no the, i don't on the shoulder <laughs> no i don't i don't uh i don't blame you for that because that, that would be um that would be definitely a situation where you didn't want to uh no didn't want to do that. It's dangerous. It is but, dangerous. But nonetheless, it's not it's not that difficult. And I you know, back in the day, you know, we I, I'm older than you are, so in high school, you know, we had like auto shop. Right. You know. They they need to do that again. And I think some schools are doing that. We just we and so we'd bring in our cars and work on them, and that was a class in school. It's like, really? How lucky were we? And I don't know how many times and I had a uh I had a nineteen seventy one Banana yellow Impala that uh, I bought for like $150 from my uncle. And for whatever reason, the biggest curse on that thing was its water pump. And that was back in the day when you changed things. You had carburetors and you had, you know, a water pump. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how many times I was buying gaskets and putting a new water pump in. and On a Chevy Impala, huh? Chevy Impala. It was, uh, it was yeah, it was a... Uh, 71 Impala. That was your first yellow. car? Yeah. First car I owned, yeah. And then it was, it was a good car. Really big-ass engine, too. It was an eight-cylinder mm. monster. And and I, I used to pl- fix the water pump in it all the time because my engine would overheat. And then one time I uh, I didn't ever really – I guess I really didn't ever really know exactly how to fix a water pump. Properly, so I made mistakes apparently because one day I'm driving and my engine overheats and it, the car stops mm. and I pull over. Basically, I have to pull over to the side and I uh, and underneath uh, the car there is a uh, there's this molten yellow oh, material coming out of the bottom of the engine. And that would be, I think, a mixture of oil and water and a sign of engine death where you crack the engine block. And once you crack an engine block, you're dead. You're gone. It's, Peter it's Pfeiffer, over for crack you. Crack distributor cap. Yeah. Oh, well, the distributor said, yeah. yeah. But, but, they, they, uh, but, but, but I basically cracked the engine block and mm. the car was finished at that point. I tried. I kept it. I kept it alive for a little while. Yeah. Uh, but didn't quite. Uh, didn't quite get it going on. Speaking of uh, engines, how about let's talk about your body engine? Have you ever? Yeah. I had to have. And, and by the way, thank you, Matthew Mitchell and the Matthew Mitchell Allstate Agency for being a brand new sponsor of the show. Eight five five. Quote me. That is eight five five. Quote me. And he is your auto guy. He is your home guy and your life guy. He's mine. And just uh, got in with the life insurance uh, situation with him and uh, had to have a medical Mm -hmm. screening test and everything else. And so they take your blood. They do all that kind of stuff. And they screen you for for your health. And so yesterday I was informed that I had a cholesterol level of 265. Do you know what your cholesterol level is? I'm – I'm under 200, but I was 214 at one point. 214. Yeah. Okay. Not a big deal. 
Well, it's no. really the HDL LDL. Yes, and so I've, I, I, my, my family has a history, and I've, I've seen this before, where we have a, um, uh, high good cholesterol level, and a low bad one. Mm-hmm. But for whatever reason, whoever underwrites the life insurance thing, they have. Um, yeah, Paula, thank you. I'm gradually the sponsors are a lot of like Proctor Drapery. They left the other station, and and Michael wants to come to me. Matthew did the same thing. Jeremy North is on his way uh, as well with 360IRA.com, and so we're kind of getting there. And then we have new sponsors like Golden Oaks coming on on board, and so we're get we're getting back into the whole thing. But these guys are asking me to come on the show because they know I've got my people who were helping them before and who were going to them before. So make sure you uh, thank Proctor and all the other guys, Santino Cigars uh, and Cocktails and uh, Mattress King and and Dr. Eric, who I'm going to mention in a second here. Thank him. And, of course, uh, the Discovery Design guys, Rick and Jerry Pogue and the rest of the gang, discoverydesigning.com. Anyway, uh, thank you for all that because these people I, – I, when I t- talk to these people, I say, listen – uh, my people are going to show you a lot of love because you're keeping Radio Free Almond afloat. And much like they showed you a lot of love when I did Almond in the morning, they'll similarly do that for you uh, right here. So thank you, Paula, for that. So anyway, I uh, was informed of that, and so it's 265. And I'm kind of freaking out because that's higher than it normally has been before. What has it been before? Like around where your level was. 214. Yeah, 220, yeah. Yeah, something like that. So I immediately contact Dr. Naputi, and I say, uh-oh, uh, what's up? And now Dr. Naputi could have said, oh, I have a – because he's, he's more of a natural medicine guy. Mm-hmm. He goes to the root of the problem. He's mm-hmm. not going to subscribe a bunch of pharmaceuticals. So he, I guess Dr. Naputi could have said – and NaputiWellness.com. He could have said, well, here is um, – what was this stuff called? I had it. Bergamot. Yeah, bergamot. Yeah, here's here here's a bergamot supplement for seventy five bucks a bottle, and take that; it'll help you out. Instead, Doctor Deputy sends me a link mm-hmm. to an article. Uh, hold on a second here. Yeah, 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 yeah. Hold on, let me find it here. So he sends me a link to an article, and it is uh, an entire. It, it, the, the title of it is, hold on, sorry, 29 billion reasons to lie about cholesterol. And it's an ex- exhaustive study. And it is done by a guy named uh, Justin Smith, who is a medical researcher. And, and he's not the only guy. The American Medical Association also said that the cholesterol – level scare is is overdone. Mm-hmm. So this whole paper and shows me that and it it talks about how the cholesterol fear mongers are out there mainly because the cholesterol lowering drug industry is a 29 billion dollar industry. So these guys are making a ton of money out of fabricating the negative effects of high cholesterol. Well, I 
agree. There, there are people who are in danger with high cholesterol, though, if they have other conditions That's that what go I was about hand to in say. hand with it. Right. High blood pressure or underlying, um, vascular, like, you yes. know, peripheral artery disease or whatever it may be, where it's critical that they end up taking some of these medications. Yes. And another thing about this is that not everybody is compliant and not everybody is going to make changes or do the things that they're supposed to do. So everyone wants the pill. Uh, we true. don't. We no. don't want the pill. No, you're right. I want to do things the best way I can. I want the Dr. Naputis of the world. I want to find alternate ways to take care of myself. I'm not a fan of all these drugs. I barely take an ibuprofen. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm totally on board with you. But most... I, I, this might be a, a bold statement. Most of society wants the quick, easy fix. Yes. They want the pill. Give me the pill. Give me the pill to make me happy. Give me the pill to make me thin. Give me the pill to lower my cholesterol so I don't have to eat clean and work out. Give me the pills so I can, you know, uh, it, it, everything is pill, pill, pill. We're a pill society. Yes. And, and it's true that the, the, the truth is that heart disease is still one of the biggest killers right. in the world, right? And so you reduce your, you know, saturated fats in your diets, and you're supposed to lower your cholesterol levels. But but the statistics have shown that the 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 money that it, it has it has not benefited anybody. Right. He says most people who have an heart attack have an average or below average cholesterol level, not high cholesterol levels. Yep. And, and, and you should – the website is it's called statinnation.com. It's, and it's where this, all this information is at statinnation.com. And statin is a, one of the – I wonder what Dr. Naputi thinks of red yeast rice. You ever heard of red yeast rice? No, but I'm sure that he – I'm sure that he's – a fan of whatever natural way you can try right. to approach helping yourself. It has natural properties in it of lovastatin. Oh, okay. N- natural occurring in this red yeast rice. It can be just like St. John's wort, things like that right. have to be monitored. It is something that, you know, not everybody should take it, but right. it is, you know, you go to Whole Foods and buy red yeast rice. It's not, you know, like some. So is it, so is it not rice? No, no. It's the powder that's actually on rice oh. that comes off and is put into capsule form, and it has been known to naturally lower cholesterol oh, levels. okay. Interesting. But ask so him about it. Bergamot's another on. example yeah. too, right? I mean, I'd ask him about that too. I'm curious. Father Miller was telling me that, uh, that actually Earl Grey tea has mm-hmm. bergamot, bergamot in it. I never heard, never heard Isn't of that. is turmeric supposed to do something too? Yeah, I think What's so. What's that for? I think that's for cooking, isn't it? <laughs> no, there's a turmeric thing now. Yeah, there. I know. Yeah. I well, Maybe yeah. somebody else will tell us. I don't know. I got to watch out for stuff like that, though, because when I'm told that something is, you know, naturally it's great, and I usually do too much of it and get myself into trouble. Like, I, if somebody tells me bergamot, I still want – I still do want – to have lower cholesterol levels, I think it would be right. still be beneficial, but I'm not. I don't need to have. What what, what Doctor Pudi is saying is you don't don't t- let t- people tell you Anything. that you need to buy these expensive drugs for it. So, because uh, I do exercise every day and do all that kind of stuff, but the problem is though, I do 
like if I if somebody tells me, oh, bergamot's good for you, I'll like eat Renner. bergamot all day long, <laughs> thinking that it's going to help me, right. and then suddenly my I have a hole in my stomach because of the citric acid boring through it. A great example of that is uh, my vitamin D story because somebody told me, oh God, no, you can't you that. Can't. That vitamin D, oh, vitamin D is the sunny drug, is a sunny vitamin it, because, it, you know, in wintertime, it helps your mood because uh, you're not getting sunshine. So vitamin D will help you a lot. Right. So I figured, okay, that's a good idea. <laughs> because, God, so, Jamie. so I said, so, so, vitamin. so if, if vitamin D is a sunny drug, <laughs> then a lot of it has to be really make you really happy. And so it's kind of like if they tell you one glass of wine is good for your health, then certainly a Five. bottle has to be fantastic. Right? That Stands to reason. Approach. Right, exactly. <laughs> so I decided I'm going to buy some vitamin D. Oh, my gosh. And uh, I start taking like handfuls of it. Oh, my gosh. I can't believe this. I mean, I'm taking handfuls of vitamin D. I'm taking like, you know, you, they, they have the they have the uh, the bottle and they have the pills, right? Right. And I'm just basically <laughs> pouring them into my. Now I do that with B12 because that's a water soluble oh, vitamin. Love B12. But 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 with D, I was just like putting a handful, and so eventually, after about like um, <laughs> after about I think two weeks or something. I'm like having like I'm I'm thinking I'm I have like I'm having a heart attack or something because my heart is racing and I'm like in this weird mode where I'm like think I'm I'm honestly thinking there's something wrong with me cardiologically. Yeah. And so I go to a cardiologist and I get tested and everything else and they're like no you're you're fine. Um, you're, you're good. Uh, it, it's, you, I don't know what's wrong with you, but it might be just nerves or something. Okay. So, uh, a couple mornings later, I'm on the, the radio show and there's some article that comes across the, uh, transom and it's about vitamin D intake for elderly people. And they said that it shows that, uh, that 50,000, BTUs or whatever they are uh, of vitamin D, like in a shot form, is just enough is good enough for you know an elderly person in a month or whatever it is, whatever. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, But but you don't don't need any more than that, and fifty thousand is is good enough in terms of uh, and and any more could probably cause problems. And I'm thinking to myself, fifty thousand BTUs. Uh, every other uh, was right. I think it was every two months. I couldn't remember what's wrong. Either way, it was like fifty. Monthly, right? Fifty. Oh, it is monthly. Not fifty thousand okay. monthly. Okay, right. monthly. So I'm thinking fourteen thousand a week is like right. Okay, so so fifty thousand monthly is the is the is the absolute cap. Any more would cause health problems, and 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 then they said vitamin D can in blah blah blah. blah. I'm going. Hmm. I go back to my. Uh, vitamin B D bottle and I realized that that 
the amount of vitamin D I'm taking every day is 50,000 BTUs. Like every day I had been consuming. I'm, I'm like, I'm sweating. Like 50,000 BTUs of vitamin D every day for like two weeks. <laughs> and I realized that, um, that then I, then I realized suddenly that, oh, it's a, Fat soluble vitamin. Just that so article. Reading up came on through. it. Yeah, it just that happened. It, to, it just was... happened to come through for me uh, because I uh, because I had been like chomping on vitamin. I well swallowing them, but taking. But I was taking almost fifty thousand BTUs a day. Mm. Just because I thought, well, if one pills is good for you, then twenty five of them must be awesome. That's how I I am. Well, I do that too, with things. I don't know if, whether oh, if it's good for you. Do a lot of it, but I don't. I don't know whether it would have killed me or not. But uh, I don't know what, how that works. But but then I learned a lot about the fat soluble versus water soluble vitamins, and all the fat soluble ones just store in your fat, your body, and the water ones don't. <laughs> so you just need to drink vagina beer. That'll help you. Yeah, you sent me that, and. Um, and I don't get this. Can you explain this to me, please? Um, you brought it up, so I'm not. I'm not going to do it. Well, it's crazy. It's in Poland. It's this. There, Poland is rolling out this beer, and it in the beer, it brewed into the beer is the essence of these underwear models, which, by the way, when you look at the article, are drop dead gorgeous, and. When you get your beer in a bottle, it has a label around it, and you peel the label, and it says, you are drinking Pauline. Pauline is, you know, this description of her, and it's bizarre, absolutely bizarre. So anyway, we had some fun with that last night. I sent that to my husband was out with some friends, and I sent them the article, too. I thought, oh, they'll, they'll have some fun with this. So then we went back and forth, and we were naming the different beers. So technically, then, if uh, you drink six of them, <laughs> you can you can justifiably say you're getting a lot of you know what, <laughs> right? There you go. When you're asked, exactly. How much blank do you get? Oh, a lot. <laughs> How many? Six. Oh, wow! Really? Six a day? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. It's On a crazy. weekend, it's 12. You got to read it, the article. I mean, um, the people. It's just bizarre. When, when they, when they, when they, the reviews of the beer come in, how, did, how do they, how does it taste? I don't know. I haven't, I, it didn't say. They're rolling it out. It's, we'll find out. Stay tuned. Gotcha. But, but, no, but, but you haven't, because I, I didn't research it too much. But uh, and if I were you at work, I wouldn't. Uh, I wouldn't really uh, Google. <laughs> well, actually, you know what? I, I, somebody ought to do it. Oh, yeah. Google vagina and beer and see what and do an image search. Do that. See what that? Well, I, I didn't bring it up. I know. I just couldn't believe it. I thought, am I 
am I really saying this? Is this real? This can't be real. Oh, it's real. Yeah. Leave it to the chick on Radio Free Almond to bring up (laughs) vagina beer. You know, something I would do. But that's why it's good that I have somebody else who can do it. Oh, did you do an image search? Oh, Matt did do an image search. (laughs) Let me see what it looks Pretty like. Safe. Oh, is it? Okay. You have your safe search off? No, it's the straight up. Yeah. Oh, okay. It's straight oh. up. Wow. Vagina beer does not give you anything too bad right off the bat. Well, that's good that's for cool. all those kids out there that like to punch in beer and vaginas. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well. And Google. On that note, uh, enjoy your weekend. It's good to have you in Gia. And best of luck with uh, learnwithmoxie.com. I'm going to Arkansas on Saturday. Yeah, so what are you going to do there? Norfolk, Lake Norfolk. Oh, wow. Enjoy some lake time, boat time, water. Do you guys have a boat down there? No. There's, oh. a, there's a group of us going. There are five families going, and we're renting two boats. Oh, two nice. Pontoons. Yeah. Oh, cool. Pontoon boats. Pontoons. Huh? One is like 250 it. horsepower. It's going to do some pulling. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, no doubt. You guys do, you guys do like tubing, tubing and stuff like that? Yeah. Sounds good. Sounds great. Thanks well, for having have me. fun. And uh, I've been down to, uh, I've been fishing for brown trout on the White River before down there. Uh, I do like, I do like, I, we were in uh, uh, Mountain Home, Arkansas. Do you go through there? That's where we're staying. Oh, it is? Mm-hmm. In Mountain Home? Yes. Oh. Yeah. Are you staying at the Fish and Fiddle? No, is there okay. a fish there's a place and down there called the Fish and Fiddle. Okay, go check it out. I think I think it I think it's more of a restaurant than anything else. Do you eat fish and does somebody play the fiddle? Uh, maybe. Or do I just need to see for myself? Do you eat trout down there? Love trout. Yeah, me too. I love trout. Trout is awesome. Yeah. Okay. Well, good. Fish and fiddle. Yeah, big. But I, I was uh, one time we we were doing uh, we were fly fishing in uh, in the White River and it was fun. Gigantic brown trout. Like gigantic. Wow. wow. I love trout. All right. Well, have a good, uh, safe travels. Thank you. Okay. Yeah. Why is my, uh, oh, hi, never mind. There you go. There. All right, folks, have a great weekend. RadioFreeAlman.com, by the way, is where you can find the brand new. Colors. Actually, that's thanks to Gia's idea, which was to have new colors of the tanks. Love those tanks. So we have the uh, I'm gonna military wear white one in Arkansas <laughs> nice. and send a picture of the white one. Awesome. Oh yeah. <laughs> so they have the white, which is what are we called? white marble. White marble. Then they have the uh, military green and the forest. And the forest green. Oh, wow. Two green versions. Yes. Okay. One's a little darker and has kind of that marble look, too. Nice. It's a good idea. And the navy. Oh, yeah. The navy. It's all tri-blend, so comfortable. Cool. Yeah, Julie and Julie just did a great job getting all that together. Yeah. But you can get it at RadioFreeAlman.com. There's a link right there to buy the gear and hats and everything else. Coming soon, mittens. Yeah. I have a bunch of I have a bunch of uh, bumper stickers I gotta get out there somehow. I'm not gonna sell them, but I have a bunch of them I gotta figure out how to get them out there. You need to bring them to a happy hour. People wanna pick them up. Yeah. Bring them to a happy hour. 
I'll take him. I'll take him down to Santino's too. I'll sit in there for you, and grab and Discovery Design. I'll bring him out there. Whatever. We'll bring him to put him on some counters out there. Anyway, have a great trip, Benjia. Thank you. Have fun. Take care, everybody. Thanks a ton for everything. Thank you, Matt. Take care.